All right, welcome to another episode of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. I am here this week with Kirsty. Kirsty, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I was trying to think of your new nickname that I gave you. You are the... Uh, Official historian, translator. Yes, that's the one. Translator, translator. too. Yeah, yeah. The official historian and translator, which is going to come in handy for this particular episode, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I also have the flip-flop slash thong slash horseshite guru, Matthew on the line. Matthew, how are you, sir? I'm well. How are we all? Doing well. Doing well. Kirsty's doing well. You're doing well. I'm doing well. And I know... That Kirsty is doing well because she knows what's coming up, Matthew. As you are about to hear, because I decided that we're not going to listen to. Well, you know what? Let's take a vote because that's what that's how people get elected, right? Votes. They do. Got to vote on things. So, well, unless unless the election's stolen. This is true, but now now one good thing is that we don't. Well, let's 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 take a vote right now. If, if and it'll be, I'll say I want you to say I if you vote on it. So, do you vote I for the honorable counselor, Sir Richard Holmes, of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garvaugh, Northern Ireland? I- <laughs> a new Iron Maiden story, and for all of you listening. Again, it is the Honorable Counselor, Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garvaugh, Northern Ireland, the only official politician of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. There are many imitators, but there's only one real one. And, Kirsty, you've heard his story. You heard it on the Patreon, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, it was really great to hear him. Absolutely. Finally. Pe- people are going to like this, so... Let's get yeah, to definitely. it right now. Let's let's let the people meet the counselor. <laughs> He's a man, a man of the people. You remember the show The Jetsons? Meet George Jetson. <laughs> meet Meet the counselor. All right, welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Today I'm bringing you another Iron Maiden story, and I've got to be honest that everybody, we're all human, we're all equally important as human beings, but when I got this Iron Maiden story, with all the background, I was really, really, really excited to see this guy's email in my inbox, and it said, my Iron Maiden story And that person is the one I'm going to introduce to you as the Honorable Counselor, Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garva, Northern Ireland. The one and only 
official politician of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Counselor, how are you? I'm very well, and uh, thank you for getting Garfield correct as well. <laughs> yeah, me and Kirsty had to uh, work that out because I was calling it Garvog. Gar- Garvog? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you did the uh, Christmas, you came on the Christmas episode and you said, "You're it's Garvog. When you actually, you said it on the Christmas episode and, and you know, me and Kirsty, we message a lot. And so she goes, yeah, he pronounced it on there. I think that, I think it's just Garvog, not Garvog. <laughs> I said, yeah. yeah. We like lots of, nice, lots of silent letters here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of that here as well. So first off, very first off, thank you for taking the time to come on the show, because I know where you're at. It's very early in the morning. It is, yes. The sun will be coming soon. <laughs> you're up. You're, you're, as they say, you're up, you're up with the chickens. I certainly am. <laughs> so the very first question I have for you is, it, it, may be, it may be a little obvious, but I feel like I just have to say this because... There's only one of you out there that has ever, ever received such a prestigious title. But how did you feel the first time <laughs> that you heard me call you the official politician of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone? Um, I, I, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's an absolute delight to have, to have such a prestigious title. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I say, you know, I, I just love being involved in the community uh, that seems to sit around Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden. So um, I'm sure I speak for so many people that uh, you fill people from all over the world together, um, and uh, the fantastic work that you do in this. Um, it's just so entertaining to listen to every week, and uh, um, I every week I'm laughing at something. So uh, that was just another laugh, and I still I still giggle every time I hear it. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad. A, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. I'm glad to uh, always make people laugh. And, you know, hopefully it's when I started this, because I I joke around a lot and goof a lot, but it's, it's, it's hard to find my place as far as and and have all of my personality in here sometimes. So Mm -hmm. I always like knowing that people get a, get a laugh out of it or whatever. And I know I I just try to have fun and, and I, I hope that comes through and it sounds like it is to you at least. So that's, Okay, so yeah, another, another question for you is, being that you are in politics, and I mean, I remember when I first saw that, I was like, oh, wow, this guy's a politician and he listens to my podcast. That's that's interesting. So when you were growing up, what made you want to get involved in politics in general? Um, I grew up in Northern Ireland, um, still live here, uh, love, love my country, but you know, Northern Ireland is obviously... Uh, worldwide, just known for the troubles, um, and uh, uh, I suppose growing up, I took an interest in what was going on. Um, my family had been uh, through various generations, sort of you know, involved in in the party, the Australian party, to a certain extent. You know, maybe supporters or uh, uh, active to some level. Um, but I sort of came interested in what was going on around me and. Uh, uh, when I turned 19, went to Queen's University, I, I joined up with the Young Unionists um, and just been involved in party politics ever since, uh, uh, involved running election campaigns and eventually uh, I got elected on to local government. Um, uh, with sort of three levels of government in the UK, there's uh, local government council level where I sit, 
there's regional government, which is Stormont in Belfast, uh, which governs Northern Ireland. And then there's Westminster in London, which governs the UK. So um, if you like, I'm the lowest of the low when it comes to politicians. Okay. Well, the fact that you've had some success in politics, I know that um, one of my co-hosts, you probably heard of him, The Weekend Warrior. I know that. I know that makes him jealous. So <laughs> now, now I'm going to ask you for a statement here because <laughs> what would you, what would you like to tell your constitute constituents? constituents. <laughs> what would you like to tell your constituents of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone as well as the ones that you represent in Garva? Um. Well. Uh, for, for, for Uncle Steve's uh, Iron Maiden Zone, um, I think it's just great being in the community and just encourage more people to participate and share and get more people into this this great podcast. Um, and for my own people, um, hopefully if anybody's listening to this podcast, it'll be good to know that uh, that you have a politician that's, uh, that's uh, not all about the politics and is interested in other things in his life. Absolutely, absolutely. And has good taste in music, at least some. I've heard some of your other tastes in music <laughs> that I'm I'm definitely not happy about, but you know we all we all like what we like. So yeah, I've quite a broad taste in music. So. I'm sure I'm sure I have things that I like that that plenty of people don't like as well. So, um, you know I, we've been talking politics here, and I I just remembered that uh, Kirsty told me I was not allowed to talk about politics. So uh, we got to get off that right now, otherwise I'm going to be in trouble. She's a wise woman. <laughs> yeah, she can be. She can be. So. Now, so as you were growing up in Northern Ireland, what was what was the musical scene in your home like? Um, there really was no music in, in my home. Um, you know, it, it was a farm. Um, my father uh, was outside all day long. Um, my uh, mom was always inside. They really were played in the background somewhere. Um, but it wasn't really a house that was into music in any way. Okay, okay. So... How did you start finding music? Um, I can remember on Saturday morning television, um, kids TV, uh, you know, various bands were coming on. Um, and I can remember uh, the, the police coming on and uh, playing Don't Stand So Close To Me. Okay. And then uh, the follow-up to it was like, do-do-do-do-da-da-da. Yeah. Um, and I can remember those videos. Um, and just That was the first band I was into, and I still liked the police uh, when they toured. Uh, there a few years ago, I had off to see them a couple of times in the tour. Um, but th- th- that was the first music for me. And then I suppose from there, you just, you know, um, I, I think the first album, the first music I ever bought was uh, Band Aid. Um, Do they know it's Christmas? Okay. Um, that was 1984. And then first album we got was Aha, Haunting High and Low. Um, that's up there with your Thompson twins, I suppose. That'll make Matt. Um, ha- Matt's a big Aha fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bought the first album, haven't listened to them since. Um, <laughs> uh, and then around that time, uh, Bruce Springsteen was just in the born in the USA. It was just huge. It was everywhere. Oh yeah. Um, and I got into Springsteen um, and still love Springsteen as well. Um, but after that, you sort of get into your things like you know, Brian Adams was coming out, Meek Loaf, Status Quo. Um, the no status quo wherever it's big in America, but certainly through uh, UK and Europe, you know, status quo was a fantastic wee band. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got the end of uh, ACDC's Who Made Who, uh, and I put that on, it just kicked in. And uh, it's just one of those things you just that sort of, you know, the hair stands up on the back of your neck. Yeah. Um, and uh, Who Made Who just still really, really kicks off for me. And it's just, that was me into a different world then of, uh, I suppose, uh, heavy metal uh, and, and, and heavy rock and, 
really going to do thrash much beyond Metallica. Okay. Um, but uh, but no, like, like who made who just opened up that whole scene for me, and uh, uh, just over the next you know so weeks, months, and years, you know, definitely ever came along, Motley Crue came along, Bon Jovi, and uh, you get into Aerosmith and various bands coming in. Um, sure, and then uh, 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 Iron Maiden a bit down the track, but uh, those were the those were the where I started. Okay, okay, so so that was your foray into harder rock, so. You told me at a certain point that you were going to a pretty small school and then yes. you transitioned somehow to a much, much larger school. And you said that being here really, you, you told me how, but tell me now how that helped you along your musical journey. Um, I don't know if you remember the the, the old uh, the TDK blank tapes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You get you get your first twin deck, and then you just start swapping tapes with everybody. I, I went to a country primary school. There was forty kids at it. Um, it was a mile from my house. Um, but then on to a secondary school. Um, uh, it was one of the larger towns. So all of a sudden, there's fourteen hundred pupils there. Okay. And you know, you find you're not. Uh, you know, there are people there with similar musical tastes. Um, if you're getting into heavy rock and heavy metal, there's not that many people, but there's certainly enough to be uh, starting to do swaps with. Um, and yeah. You'll, before long, I had 40 TDK tapes sitting there. I think it was D90s. They were, you had a, just about an album on every side. But then, right, of right. course, Iron, Iron Maiden were always stating over the 45 minutes. So you couldn't record an Iron Maiden album, really. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you lost the end of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you also mentioned that, I think it was within a couple of years of this, that you started going to a couple of stores, and, and I think I can say both of these without uh, botching yeah. them, uh, Jingles and Woolworths. And you said yeah. um, when you would go to these stores, you were always drawn to a certain, to always start looking through the music at a certain letter. What letter was that? Yeah, yeah I sort of, you know, I think after your first time, you, you sort of go through them and you stop, and you just, the, the artwork there's nothing like it. Uh, just sort of stood out. Um, uh, the two record stores, Woolworths, was sort of like corporate. There's a Woolworths in every high street. You know, they, they, they did the top 40 and maybe a, sure. a few other albums. Jingles is one of those wee independent stores. Um, okay. Long since closed both of them now, but uh, Jingles is the one, you know, they, they sold the picture discs and uh, the, the, the Japanese imports and so on. Uh, it's oh, a great, yeah. great, great little store and, and so many of me and my friends uh, were there and uh, plagued them over many years trying to trying to go in. Can you get this for me? Can you get that for me? And <laughs> such and such come in. But uh, um, but you just go down there and just rifle through and just let her eyes through these albums there. You lift it up and just look at peace of mind and uh, you know Eddie's screaming out at you and uh, it was just fantastic. But you know you started asking none of the friends actually had their albums. Um, uh, just the circle of friends I had they were sort of more into American. Uh, type rock, you know, there's uh, you know, like ACDC and stuff, and uh, lots of uh, uh, bands like Aerosmith and so on coming through. Um, but none of them had Iron Maiden, so um, uh, from from a farmer, farmers aren't exactly uh, uh, renowned for for, for for their ease of spending money, so we say. <laughs> so uh, I, I wasn't wanting to see out six pounds ninety nine or seven pounds ninety nine on the strength of the of an album cover. Sure. Um, and at, around that time, EMI had a fame label which. Uh, they released, uh, I think they might have released records on it as well, but uh, uh, I certainly bought the cassettes um, and 
we're sort of looking at you know Iron Maiden uh, Killers and, and Number of the Beast were all on sale. I think it was one ninety nine and two ninety nine. Um, and you sort of have to lemma, well, you're going to buy one off and see what it's like. And Number of the Beast is a bit scary and Iron Maiden's a bit plain, so you finish up going for the safe option. You'll know, go for Killers. You know, it looks just a wee bit on edge. Um, yeah. So, uh, so 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 I bought Killers. Um, and uh, took it home and put it on, and uh, you know, life's never been the same again. Um, sure. Uh, just and uh, Isaac March coming in and Ross Ross just hits in after it and stuff. You know, it's just it's, it's, it was album just hooked me in, um, and uh, uh, didn't know how long this offer for one night and two night nine tapes would last. Uh, but within a few weeks, uh, I had both Iron Maiden and Number of the Beast and. Um, before long, uh, Peace of Mind and Power Slaves. I actually went and bought those in LP because it was a gateful sleeve on Peace of Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, just mesmerized me and uh, uh got it in record as well. Um, again, just Power Slaves is still one of my favorite covers. Um, uh, so got those and then, you know, within, within a few months, Live After Death was there. Um, oh, yeah. I remember I remember swapping it for something that was a really second-hand cassette I got for it. Um, I cannot remember what I swapped, but uh, somebody had it in school didn't like it, and I, I swapped something I always didn't like for it as well. <laughs> um, and uh, But, again, I got it in Gatefold then, but I, I think somebody told me there was actually a wee booklet released with it, the original release, but I never yeah. managed to get that wee booklet. Yeah, there was. A, I, had, I remember having a booklet with the, with the uh, vinyl, now you said you mentioned that you said that the albums were on. You said the F- Fame label, yeah. And I, I've when when I read that I was like I've never I've never heard of that I've never ever heard of that. So and, and I wanted to ask you, um, well, one question is: Do you still have those cassettes? Yes, I do. Yeah, that's really cool. Did, I have I have everything I've ever bought, um, <sighs> button badges. That's um, awesome. I- <laughs> that's really cool. Did you when you would look at those album covers? Because because when with me when I would see those, I always thought uh, they, these guys are just going to be too heavy based on what these album covers look like. Did you feel that um, way? No, I, I, I didn't. Um, I just they just fascinated me. And they drew me in. Um, I just loved the artwork. Um, so I hadn't really thought about how heavy they would be. And I suppose at that time. Well, Thrash was sort of started Metallica were going a few albums at that stage, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, but no, no, I, I, I didn't, and, and sort of okay. never got them. I, you know, never sort of thought they were too heavy or anything. Just, just fell in love straight away, pretty much. Okay, so you you started off with Killers, and then you went back and you got the first album. Yeah. Now, what what did you think when you got the Number of the Beast and you listened to that, and it's very markedly a different singer. What what what, what did you think of the two? Com- like, what was your comparison of the two? Like straight away. Um, well, I think the one thing I sort of noticed with Bruce was the screams that were coming through uh, in the music. Um, probably the music itself to me. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't play any music instruments. I'm, I have no knowledge of music whatsoever. So, uh, you know, I, I can't pick out guitar solos and stuff. You know, I, I, I listen to you going on talking, so so play this guitar solo and so so comes in there. This, I have no idea. It's, it's all guitar music to me. Um, so maybe the music didn't change so much. I, I could tell it was more polished. Um, the singing definitely sounded so, so much better. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I'm sort of one of those people. I suppose just the way I bought the album that I actually got into Iron Maiden was Paul Diano. Uh, so it, it, it was it, it wasn't really the same as you, where you actually started with Bruce and then moved mm-hmm. back. You know, I actually started with the original singer by sheer fluke. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Might have been very different had I bought Number of the Beasts in the first album. Um, but uh, certainly, you, know, you could tell. You know, even I could tell with little knowledge of music that uh, <laughs> uh, they were in. You know, they had gone up a leg here. It, it was just more. I think his voice is just more pleasing to the ear. <laughs> so. Uh, it, it, it isn't now. You know, Phantom of the Opera um, as a song probably sits up there with you know sitting almost any Iron Maiden album. It's you know one of the most amazing songs that uh, that Harris has ever written. Oh, yeah. uh, in, 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 in my opinion, but when you hear uh, Bruce sing it, I think on, on, on Live After Death, and he did it in some of the some of the later tours there in the the uh, maybe Eddie up Europe or something, and it just sounds superb with him. Yeah, that so the much ver- better. The version on Live After Death has just been my favorite because when I got that, that was always that was the standout track on that album for me. Was was Phantom of the Opera? I, I loved it. Yeah, see, the, the music for it used to appear in a Legacy advert here as well with uh, uh, Daley Thompson, who was uh, uh, I think competed in decathlon in the Olympics. I remember. Um, I've seen that. So uh, it's someone, quite well known. Someone, yeah. yeah, I've seen that. So. So you get into Maiden, you, you, you've got the first, you know, we basically got all of the albums up through Power Slave and you're trying, based on what you told me, you're desperately trying to learn about the band because it, it's yeah. not like nowadays where you want to, like you say, well, I wonder, you think about a band and you go, oh, let me just go to Wikipedia real quick and read their entire history and look at their entire catalog and when everything came out and who was in the band on every album and read all the whatever. And back then it was, there was nothing, you know, it was maybe a magazine here or there. So what did you, yeah. what did you do to start learning about the band? Um, I, I think it's one of those things that you know, nobody just is really, really understanding today. If you're, if you're a kid today, you, you open up your phone, you go in there, you just Google <laughs> And you've got the entire history there, you know, when everything was released, who was on it and stuff. Um, to go back then, you know, I just went you know, through record shop after, you know, trying to find things, maybe imports that had come in. And, and that, uh, you know, I eventually found uh, a couple of magazines, Metal Hammer and Kerrang. Mm-hmm. Um, and the latter part of the 80s, Kerrang guys probably wouldn't have been the biggest fans of Iron Maiden. Um, uh, there's a a journalist there, Pippa Lang, she always seemed to quite like them. Um, I remember uh, always looking down, because they used to go through and score new albums and attempt to find things that she scored highly, I would tend to quite like. Okay. Um, but you sort of got those, you start reading articles and piecing them together, and there's a few adverts that appear for things, and um, you maybe start talking to some of your friends and maybe a few older people that you start getting into, then to Iron Maiden, and oh, I get into them, you know, we're into the Beast era, or Peace of Mind, and mm-hmm. you start because they're trying to find singles. Um, I was in buying magazines one day, and I, I happened to see this older magazine called Record Collector. Mm-hmm. Um, and I flicked through it, and they had all the adverts at the back off, and you just page after page, and all the Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went home with me, and uh, you know, through that, I just started drawing up lists of uh, various singles and stuff. You're looking up the albums, and okay, uh, there's the triple right. That's from Peace of Mind, and certainly through, and you see the prices of some of these, you know, the various editions going through and right, okay, you get your hit list done up with what you want and you know, you're, you're, you're 
things I, I hadn't heard in the Soundhouse tapes. Um, uh, obviously, it becomes the holy grail for any Iron Maiden uh, record right. collector. Right. Um, but I sort of thought the Soundhouse tapes was going to be you know, cassette. Um, <laughs> yeah, tape. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You see, that's been advertised, you know, at that time, it's been advertised, you know, 60, 70, 80 pounds. Um, you know, this yeah. is a time you, when you could buy. Uh, singles for what's it, 1.50, 1.60 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you start reading through uh, Gary Bushell's book, Run to the Hills, come out nowhere near as good as uh, as Mick Wall's uh, later books come out on them. But it was the only thing that was there at the time, and uh, sure. it might have, been, might have been a couple of editions. But all of a sudden, that kind of put their their uh, albums and chapters in. You can see what was released with it, and, and that sort of uh, was kind of the missing link for a lot of information. But uh, but most of most of my records are sort of uh, t- target records are just from trawling through pages of record collector every month, uh, trying to find them in there. And then you get into uh, I was going to say buying and selling, but I haven't sold a item of Iron Maiden uh, <laughs> records yeah. in my life. So you get yeah. into buying, you know, for various people and uh, uh, various finals and items from a collection coming in from around the world, and then. Uh, I was talking to my friend uh, on the school bus on the way home. Um, I one day tell him that some of the stuff I'd got and this guy behind me uh, taps me in the shoulder and said, uh, I've got the trooper picture disc. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, wow. So, uh, I think I paid £15 for it or something. Um, oh, wow. Uh, the trooper is still probably the most treasured possession uh, other than the Soundhouse tapes. Uh, uh, it was a shaped picture disc as well. I think it was actually the first shaped picture disc I had got. They, were, they weren't that particularly common. Um, uh, I think Flight of Pictures was possibly a 12-inch picture disc or something. Um, uh-huh. But uh, the Trooper was a shaped picture disc. And I remember getting it. Kind of just, oh, it was just awesome. That, that's really interesting because I never did that. I never started buying all the singles and, and, and looking for the, all the collectibles and things like that. But you went and you started going and... Now you said because you said you were a farmer and you said that you don't want to part with your money very easily, but nope. it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like when when you met Iron Maiden, you met your you met your um, you met your match as far as like you were willing to just start shelling out money for everything you could find, and which is really cool, and and, and the fact that you still have everything. That's really. I mean, I wish I. I wish I just had the things that I had when I was younger. Just all the cassettes, the albums, the CDs, the shirts from tours, whatever. I, I just. I don't have any of that stuff, and that's really, really cool. Um, so, when when you were hearing the band and you got all the albums up to Power Slave, at was this before or after Somewhere in Time had come out? Um, I got into. I think I just missed Somewhere in Time. Uh, I kind of get into sort of around that time. The album probably came and went, and uh, by the time Seven Sun came around, I had all their their back albums and a reasonable amount of uh, sort of singles and twelve inches and so on. Um, I, I sort of collected, um, so I, I I didn't have the whole excitement of you know somewhere in time being my first album, the anticipation sure. of the release because. Uh, it either came out just as I was getting into the band, but I had no appreciation of it. It was just another another album on the shelf with a fascinating cover. Yeah. Um, Seventh Son was the, uh, uh, I suppose, a spine tingling moment for me. You know, anticipation. Yeah. You know, and you still get it even up to Sinjutsu. You know, your Iron Maiden album coming. It's so today. It's uh-huh. you know, what's it sound like? You know, 
Um, at least these days with phones and stuff, you don't have to wait to get home to open up the physical copy to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just mentioned it. Seventh Son did come out. And what do you remember? I, I, okay. I, I haven't said this yet on here, but we discussed this earlier. I've gotten, I've, I've probably done around 40 stories at this point, And by far, your story was the most detailed story I've gotten from anybody. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and, and I've had a couple of other ones that were very, very detailed. So, but yours was so detailed. And I mean, I, I almost was like, and, and, <laughs> and you were telling me that you'd earlier, you said you, you, you put it, you, you, copied it and pasted it into a Microsoft Word document. It was like four pages <laughs> long and 3,000 words, and stuff, which is really funny. But um, so when seventh, so I, I feel like you'll know the answer to this question or you'll have a good answer for me. So when seventh comes, seventh son comes out, what do you remember, like say about the time leading right up to it and getting it the first day? What do you remember about that? Um, well, I certainly remember the articles appearing uh, in the press Um uh, coming coming through a metal hammer and crying. Um, there was also the fact that at a stage, you know, I think when Can I Play With Madness came out, um, uh, they were at this stage saying that Donington would be the only UK gig that year. Uh, and you kind of get the impression, you know, this is a big thing here. You know, the band's now so big. You know, it's one big, massive gig and stuff. Um, so there's there's a lot of build-up to it. Can I Play With Madness came out. And uh, certainly not my favourite song on the album, but uh, still it was a single Sure. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, uh, it came out, and then I suppose the, the build-up was coming for the album. And I remember getting the album. Um, there was a listen in the story, but at the time, uh, I think some of the record, some record labels were trying to put on an additional charge for shipping to Northern Ireland from mainland UK, mm-hmm. and uh, Woolworths were basically boycotting these particular records. And I believe EMI. Uh, were one of them. Um, oh no! <laughs> and uh, I think they are made an, uh, the Seven Son album was number one for I don't know three four weeks or something. Um, but during all that time, uh, Woolworths were actually boycotting it, so I never actually got to see that album sitting in the number one uh, spot on the chart. All you had was a wee picture up saying, "Sorry, we are boycotting this album or whatever because of uh, these charges that they were trying to impose." Oh, um, so, so, so I bought it on cassette, and I also bought the LP off it as well. Um, I remember the home putting the cassette on, and that uh, just the music that came in. It was seven deadly sins, seven ways to win. Um, so then, holy past the hell, and your trip begins, um, and you're just, I suppose, the, the excitement of just listening to that coming in, the music kicking in from Moonchild. But the other bit in that, I, 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 one of my favourite Iron Maiden uh, tracks is "It's Only the Good Day Young," and the way they play the play the intro as an outro and you just basically you know that cassette went in and I just eject it flip around start again and that was just on loop for weeks on end um, <laughs> and I just just loved it and then Evil At Me and Do came out and of course they had uh, they had the uh, shaped picture discs for this and uh, uh, you know those just drew me and I just bought everything available for it uh, um, and then later through Record Collector I managed to find uh, uncut picture discs um uh, so you actually got the twelve-inch version that before it had been before it had been cut cut to shape. Uh, oh, so I managed cool. to pick, the, pick those up for Can I Play with Malice, Evil at Mendu and the Clairvoyant. So, so is that more rare to find it uncut? 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know enough about the, about how they're done. I assume they press them and then cut them. Um, and there's maybe a few of them uh, uh, are put out on cut, but certainly it was, I didn't see it in stores. It was one of these things I managed to get through record collection. Okay, okay. Now, I'm pretty sure that you've told me this, but were you able to see the Seventh Sun tour at this time? Sadly not. Um, uh, I suppose at that time I was, what, 16? Um, uh, they only played one gig in the UK and Ireland that year. It was at Donington. Um, I certainly wouldn't have been old enough to be uh, uh, heading off to to, uh, uh, to Donington to see them at that stage. Um, there's a friend that I had at school um, uh, his name was Paddy, um, and he, uh, I, th- I believe he actually, I think he'd written a letter to Nico or something, um, mm-hmm. and this night Nico just phones him up and starts chatting to him on the phone. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> uh, this is what he told me. Now I, I, I wasn't able to verify it, but uh, yeah. he got uh, he got over to Donington. He got backstage passes. Uh, he brought me back autographs from the band, photographs taken with the band, so on. Oh wow! Um, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so jealous of him. You get into it. It's the uh, if I could go back to any gig in Ireland's history, you know, that would be the one I wanted to see. Mm. Um, but he got there, and I, I saw him a few years later. Um, uh, he was on stage in the Rope after the Dying Tour, uh, singing along to Heaven Can Wait. Uh. Um, and Nico actually gives him a thank you in the liner notes of uh, No Prayer for the Dying. I think it's uh, thanks to Pat, the mad Irishman, he's called. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, he, got, uh, he got a note in there, which was very uh, <laughs> amazing. Um, and and you, said so, pa- you said Paddy, right? Yeah, um, I think it's. Uh, I think in the liner notes of college is in his pop the mad Irish man. But but just um, but just calling him Paddy that you can't get any more Irish than that. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, well, I mean, that, yeah, if, if you were coming up with a stereotypical Irish name, it'd be Paddy. Hey, Paddy. You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did Paddy. Very cool. Uh, that's uh, that's really cool, though. Yeah, I've 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 known a couple of people. Well, I've met a couple of people over the years that have been able to be on stage and sing with them and you know obviously doing the podcast i've met a lot of people that have met the band yeah and i've never been fortunate enough to i've i mean i've been front i was front row at one bruce gig when he was solo but that's Mm -hmm. that's the closest i've come to anybody in iron maiden getting stepped on you know that's the closest yeah (laughs) so um i i don't know i always debate these things um you always say never meet your heroes and uh um, I heard somebody on saying it, but you know, Steve Harris would be my favorite of the band. You know, I just love his writing, love the lyrics. And he's just a fantastic lyricist. But uh, yeah, I think somebody was on one of your stories saying you know, there was one of the after-show parties, and Steve was kind of sitting there with his family, and nobody was taking near him and stuff. Um, and I probably, I don't know, I, I'd probably be disappointed whenever you whenever you actually meet some of them. So I'm probably probably glad not meeting them. Uh, Steve was here in. 2020 like early 2020 uh-huh. uh with british lion and yeah i had went to a show the weekend before and i could have went to the british lion show and i just i thought you know my wife's gonna gripe if i go to a, a show again two weekends in a row and so i didn't go and and, and i people said yeah he was out right after they, they pretty much said after the show hey if you want to Meet Steve, queue up over here, like right after the show. And it was like, uh-huh. 
I was like, that's probably the only chance in my life that I'm going to really have to got to have meet him. And, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm thankful that me and you share something that, that no one can take away from us, which that's the music. So, you yes. know, which that's the most important thing. So now after seventh son, 88 or going into 89 in between this period, Bruce releases, Tattooed Millionaire. Yeah. Did, did you get that album when it came? Did you get that? Uh, yes, I got Tattooed Millionaire. Um, I got the singles and got the sort of the collectibles on it as well. Um, I quite enjoyed uh, some of the album. Uh, uh, Dave, Dave, Dave was probably about as low a point as, uh, as his books were. But uh, um, the, I think Tattooed Millionaire single itself I, I quite enjoyed. Um uh, born in '58, um, yeah. fantastic track. One of the best solo ones I ever done. Like I've only listened to his greatest hits and plus that first album. Yeah, um, but thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I got it. I also okay. got. Uh, I think Adrian Smith single was "Silver and Gold." Possibly. Think, um, yeah, that's true. That was single. That, yeah, that was out after. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was. I think that was when he was out of the band at that point, right, Adrian? Had left at that well, point. I th- it wasn't officially said that he had left. I think they both released their solo material. The intention was that they were both coming back. Um, ah, then okay. the news was that Adrian came back. But I had bought the single, but I didn't really like the single too much, and didn't. It was a bit too tight to start uh, parting with money for the album uh, when the <laughs> single when the single wasn't that good. So, so uh, so that's actually the only thing of Adrian's I've ever bought since. Okay. Okay. So. Is that is that include Smith Cotton? You never got Smith Cotton? I didn't get it, although I had listened to a few of them on YouTube running. Uh, it would have been on yeah. playlist quite a bit, but uh, um, some of the other ones, like I, I, I was on Spotify for a couple of years, but I didn't use it that much. And so I sort of back to listening to what I've bought and paid for um, or downloaded at various stages and uh, sure. listened to some of the other tracks. And um, it wasn't just a Foston Cotton's voice, um, you know. It's okay, but uh, it grew on me. Cotson grew on me. It's funny because I, I, I told. I think I've told Matt and probably Kirsty. I said when I got into you know when I got Smith Cotson, it was solely I was only giving it a chance because Adrian was on it. I was just like, you yeah. know, I do a podcast. I probably need to at least hear it, and I'll get you know. And it's Adrian, and it's we were in this weird stage of where the world's at, and. He's doing something different outside of Maiden. Maiden's not doing anything that we knew of. So I was like, yeah, hey, I'll give it a chance. And, you know, as it grew on me, Kotzen's voice is the thing that I didn't like. But, man, now, you know, going, I told you I went and saw that show. And to mm-hmm. me, Richie Kotzen, I'm like, that's what I walked away with was like, wow, this guy's incredible. He can sing. Yeah. He can play guitar. And Adrian was great. But Kotzen, I walked away a fan of him. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Adrian leaves the band though. We, I'm sorry, I was jumping way farther. Okay. Adrian ends up leaving, you know, or, or le- leaving the band, you know, whatever the story was, he was no longer in the band. And when you hear this, does it bother you at all, or are you just happy Iron Maiden's still there? Um, it, it doesn't really bother me because you know, supposed to be hanging through the Iron Maiden history. Um, you know, guitars have come and gone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Adrian was out and Yannick was in and. Uh, I probably don't think I actually really appreciate it. You know, it, it, 
you've heard it in Talking Maiden so many times. You've talked about it as well. You know, we always talk about the three years of Iron Maiden, you know, in terms of the lead singers, well, the fourth year with Bruce coming back. Yeah. But, you know, they always sort of it's just the difference that Adrian Smith made. And I suppose yeah. now, whenever you go and, and look at the, uh, uh, the quality of the writing on the on the albums in the period that he was gone. Um, I mean, you sort of look at you know you can sort of do any kind of ranking of of of, of maiden songs and stuff. Sure. Um, you know, Adrian Smith definitely brought a uh, something to the music there, sort of a commercialization and uh, uh, to, to some of the tracks, and, and it was sadly missed. Um, so I suppose now you sort of look back and you appreciate it. And I remember interviews with, with Yannick at the time saying you know, when he came in. Like, you're trying to do things different. You know, you didn't always have to, have, you know, uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus, bridge, guitar solo, right? Uh, and, and and go out. And obviously, uh, that maybe goes to explain the operation in some ways. Uh, something has to. Um, but it, it didn't really bother me at the time. You know, it's not a guitarist comes in and uh, uh, just you know, maiden went along. Right. Yeah, I was the same. I. I... I never I've I've gotten to where more recently over the past couple of years just because of friends like um my friend Luis and uh Venezuela and just different you know, you meet different people that start saying, Well, these are the thing this is Adrian. Pay attention to this, pay attention to that. And I've kinda gotten to where now listening to Adrian I can tell a little bit more. But yeah, back then I was just like okay, you know, I was a fan of KISS and you know, Kiss had gone through multiple guitar players, and I just you kind of think, well, that's just what bands do. You know, they mm-hmm. sometimes somebody leaves, and ultimately, you still have you still have Iron Maiden. And so, when No Prayer came out for me, it didn't. I, I liked it. What did you think when No Prayer came out? Uh, look, I still was that excitement of, of a new album. Um, uh, you know, Holy Smoke probably. It wasn't the best. I think Taylor Gunner would have been, would have been a better singer. I know you don't like Hooks and You, but I always <laughs> enjoyed it. You know, there's a certain ACDC feel to Hooks and You. Um, I, I always quite quite enjoyed it. Okay. Um, but no prayer, you know, I, I was still as excited to to, to uh, listen to it, um, put it on, put it on loop, just played and played and played. Um, and then obviously on that tour, uh, they were coming to Belfast, um, and that was you know probably the most exciting thing that happened in my in my young life. Um, sure. So uh, uh, I was headed off to see to see them, I think it was Monday, the 24th of September, 1990. Um, and uh, I met Dave, and uh, he was into Iron Maiden as well, and we were on the bus heading off to the concert. Um, and the bus was heading from the local town of Coleraine. Of course, it was delayed going down because, you know, lots of people had to stop every, you know, three miles to go out and... Uh, uh, use the uh, the uh, the toilet, the country toilet, the hedge. Um, <laughs> so by the time we got up to Belfast, it was uh, Wolf Spain were halfway through, but um, wasn't really that fussed in Wolf Spain. And uh, the bit I heard off at the end of the thing, didn't think much of them. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope, for, nope for future. Um, but that concert, you know, it's the first time I made a concert, of course, you know. Uh, I'd only been to one concert before, um, uh, which was actually a Tina Turner concert. Um, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, Tina Turner. So everyone in Tina Turner concert stood there, and uh, you know, much older audience. And Iron Maiden down to right down to the front here, were three rows from the front, and you know they come on the stage, and I don't know, you know, I'm uh, quite tall from a farm, uh, strong enough lad, and uh, you're just getting swept all over the place, and I just the heat off it and movement sure. here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. So uh, a few songs, and I was out of there, um, and I haven't been uh, 
Haven't been down the front again. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess over where I can see, enjoy the view and enjoy the concert. And, yeah, uh, I'm the same um, way. I'm me. the same way. Um, but the got concert at that time. Um, you know, Ireland never played, uh, never played Belfast, never been on the island of Ireland, and uh, you just went to it in the King's Hall. It was a, a seven thousand uh, around seven thousand people between seats and, and standing were supposed to be able to go to it. Um, place was sold out. Uh, you know, you're walking in, everybody's wearing their main t-shirts. Remember the band commenting in some of the interviews saying, you know, we've never been there and yet whenever you're on the, the, the bus or whatever heading into the in, into the venue, yeah. all they could see was their main t-shirts. You know, I had to get there. I got the, the tail gunner t-shirt, I got the hooks and you t-shirt um, yeah. uh, to get those and, and, and you know, it's fantastic to get there and see them. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the, the disappointments for me were, you know, you'd watched all these shows building and building and building, you know, really from uh, uh, Parsley through somewhere in time, you know, the inflatable head, seven sun, just the mm-hmm. stage was just out of this world. Yeah. And then you're you're expecting this big show and then you go and it's, you know, a whole of martial amps stacked behind them and, you know, they strip the whole thing back, you know, I suppose it's back to the, to right. the early days again. Um, yeah. And that was really a disappointing um, uh and this was the other thing, Seventh Son, obviously. Uh, by that time, it become my favourite album. Still be one of my two favourites, uh, depending on what day of the week you ask me. Um, <laughs> right. But the only, the only play I think it was Evil That Men Do from uh, from that one. Um, so they kind of dropped the previous album. Um, yeah. Uh, and I was hoping you would hear three or four songs from it as well. Yeah. Um, but, That's odd. Uh, That's odd that they did that. Um, yeah, I suppose there's not that many where they actually go out and play a lot from the previous album. Um, yeah. You know, even on to Dance of Death tour, I think maybe what Brave New World was getting played and possibly The Wicker Man or something. So um, sort of the, the, the previous album tends to get ditched a bit from, well, certainly it's insane anyway. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe they focused on it enough on that tour that they felt like, but it seems like that was still early enough in their career too, but who knows. But I did want to point out that you mentioned you like hooks and you, so you've probably yeah. <laughs> being a politician, you're going to appreciate this. You, I think you will now have secured Matt's vote. <laughs> oh. That, that, that well hung feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the next, the next part of Iron Maiden's career, they're, they're still moving along this, uh, I don't know what to call it. This, 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 they're moving down, um, a dark road here you know, the fear of the dark road and uh, yeah. they put the fear of the dark out. And eh, what did you think first off when you got the album? Um, I can remember uh, the first thing I remember fear of the dark was uh, an article in Metal Hammer. And it was, uh, uh, it was a university at this stage. Um, and I used to play uh, squash with a, a girl that was in class with me and uh, just were heading off down to, down to, Metal to head down and play squash and just called in to buy Metal Hammer. Um, mm-hmm. I was just flicking through it and was walking down. I was actually reading this article out loud to her. She was no interest in her maiden at all, but I was reading this out. I was so excited. You know, we threw the song titles from the album stuff. I remember reading things through. And I still remember the Weekend Warrior song title <laughs> being in there thinking, it's like that odd, but you know. Sure. Um, but I, I, I was very excited. It was another Iron Maiden album was coming out. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think actually the single could it be be, be quicker be dead. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I still think it's one of their best album openers ever. Um, love that single, um, still do. Um, sure. 
and I think you know, as a fourth issue album, you think this album's just going to be uh, a, a fantastic album. Oh um, yeah, obviously, yeah. Obviously, it didn't quite live up to those standards, but um, I still, you know, I, I think Fears of Art gets a really hard time because there's there's probably three or four songs on there that are just about as bad as anything they've ever written. Um, oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, agree. But there's still there's still some amazing tracks on it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, songs I really enjoy, and I still fear the dark one, and uh, uh, I do really enjoy the album still. Um, but uh, so there's that exciting crowd, and, and uh, obviously the album came out, and I sort of listened to it. And uh, I suppose at the time, um, the only things, the only two that I really didn't like at the time was uh, Weekend Warrior and The Apparition. Um, and I think uh, is it The Apparition is a great guitar solo in it. Um, I, I think both of them have some good solos in them and some good musical sections. It's just everything that surrounds it outside of that is not so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, just trying to look up the, yeah, Fear of the Dark. Um, the Quick Be Dead was great. Afraid to Shoot Strangers, fantastic track. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Childhood's End. Wasting Love, it was an attempt at battles. I actually didn't mind Wasting Love. It certainly wasn't my favorite. Um, sure. The Fugitive was... It's okay as an album filler. There's uh, it's yeah. com- c- compares with with, with uh, I suppose some of the stuff from Peace of Mind or or, or uh, Parsley has made certain some some of the lesser tracks. Yeah, Chains of Misery. I spent on Operation Hit. Should just be my guide. Fantastically track. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, Warrior just awful. Um, and Fear of the Dark. I, I've always liked Fear of the Dark. Um, uh, obviously, far far better live than it is yeah. it, it is an album, but. Uh, now, but, uh, no fear of dark came When when you say the weekend warrior is terrible, you're not talking about Andrew, are you? Absolutely not. <laughs> yes, we all love Andrew. So fantastic. I had, man. I had to say that though. I had to. Say, <laughs> I still remember whenever I I had done something about the weekend warrior, and he came and started defending it, and I and immediately I started calling him the weekend warrior, and then I remember later he came back and he was like. I just listened to it again. Maybe I was a little too quick. <laughs> to, you know, I, should, I rushed to judgment there. <laughs> uh, that was funny. Yeah, that's uh, no point in defending the indefensible. Yeah. Any politician knows that. There you go. There you go. There you go. I hope Andrew's paying close attention or taking notes right now. So, um, Now, how many shows? I, now, there's one particular show on the Fear of the Dark tour. Or maybe uh, I don't remember what they if they had a different title for it, but you saw a couple of shows on this tour, correct? Uh, yes, uh, uh, obviously they were back at Donington this time, and of course the previous time it's supposed to you know, one hundred seven thousand. That was the time when eighty-eight sadly two people died. I think during the Guns and Roses set. Yeah. So obviously yeah. they brought in limits. I think it was seventy-five thousand, but you know I was heading off to Donington to see me in no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, um, booked on a tour with a, a friend at university, her younger brother. Uh, like Darren Maiden, so uh, the two of us headed off there um, uh, to, to that, and uh, I can still remember turning up to your bus station. There was myself and this fellow Andrew, five other people, um, and uh, the tour up here. I thought we were heading for a tour bus, but sort of standing around at this particular stand number, and uh, uh, this guy <laughs> walks in, pulls out some tickets, and uh, right, you're getting on this bus, and it's taking you uh, out to Larne, and you get the boat across, and then a bus down to Nottingham. And uh, he sort of looked around the group and reached me the ticket size, only one with short hair. So obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously I was a responsible adult. 
So uh, <laughs> I, basically, I basically became a uh, a uh, tour guide to, uh, to 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 get this uh, this motley crew to uh, to Donington um, <laughs> to see our maiden. So got there, uh, saw the tour. It was uh, Thunder opening. You know, Thunder were a pretty big band in the UK at the time. Sort of because we saw them in Belfast a few times by this stage. Uh-huh. Um, they were opening up, um, and then Wasp were on mm-hmm. night. I'd missed Wasp on the '89 Headless Tour. Um, uh, I'd love to see it because uh, they played Ulster Hall, Belfast. Um, friend mm-hmm. was at it. He, he came home with one of the drumsticks. Um, but uh, I can't remember if Wasp. I think they might be onto the Crimson Idol album yeah. at that stage. That's the yeah. Um, they, they played a real. I've I've seen. I've watched the set. It's it's the only guy that's really from Wasp in the past, other than Blackie, is Johnny Rod. Yeah, yeah, uh, blonde-haired guitarist, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, so it was. But I've, I've seen them since, actually. Uh, uh, thoroughly enjoyed them, but that day, it just sort of seemed to be, it was kind of like, it's about Blackie and nothing sure. else. Um, sure. And it was outdoor venue, and probably wasn't the best for that sort of album being played at it. Right. Um, and then Slayer supported, but yeah, I have no interest in Slayer, never... Never enjoyed them. Um, headed off out around the stalls and took a walk down the track there to the Dunlop Bridge and uh, saw that. And then back in for Skid Row, uh, enjoyed Skid Row. And then uh, the next thing it was Iron Maiden was coming on and the uh, sort of that thunder type of thing playing through the speakers before they came on. And then the, yeah. the drums just broke in to be quicker, be dead. And uh, really enjoyed it. And then of course they filmed that uh, they filmed that show for the live the live uh, album, which. It's still never been put out in DVD, to my knowledge. Um, I think okay. all the others have been released, but that's the one they did black and white and then colour in it, and they released the Fear of the Dark single from it and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I really enjoyed that gig. Um, uh, really, really enjoyed it, and uh, would love to see the DVD of it to take me yeah. back there. But, but yeah. I saw them later on, to, uh, obviously, so after that, was when Bruce was leaving, and whenever they opened the second phase of the tour, Everyone knew that Bruce was leaving, and I saw them. They came to the King's Hall in Belfast, and that was actually the final UK tour date mm-hmm. uh, with Bruce at that stage. They had a few others to finish off in Europe. Um, but they came back to the King's Hall, and this was they'd been there in 1990, sold it out. They were back in 1993, and it was only half full. Um, and I just remember that gig a lot of the time. You know, Bruce would come out and sing his bit, and they just disappear off stage. Um, now, you see him do that a lot now, um, but you know, I've watched videos of them previously and saw them you know, on the No Prayer Tour, you know, and if he wasn't saying there, he'd maybe be standing there with the microphone standing in his hand or back, you know, messing around with Nick or something. You know, he stayed on stage, but this time now he just seemed to be, he came out and sing and then just disappear off stage and leave it to the guitarists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I suppose that's the certain new music was changing as well because you know, I was at university in Belfast and was getting a lot more gigs. Uh, I went to see Nirvana. Um, you know, King Tall sold out. Um, yeah, but, yeah. You know, you just you can see the tide turning for sure. For MML. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, obviously Bruce left after that, um, and various live albums come out. And so one thing nobody ever really touches on, I suppose, in uh, working in business. Um, business always really interests me, and uh, and I kind of love the whole business of Iron Maiden as well. Um, certainly. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly funded enough of it. Um, <laughs> That's right. But uh, you know, remember just walking into a record store that time and just you know getting the the uh, the albums coming out and just the guy behind the counter says they're they're really milking this, aren't they? And it's kind of like, yeah, they are. Um, 
but I don't know, here's my mind. <laughs> so. Right, right. Well, well, I wanted to ask you because I've heard, I've never asked, I've never talked to anyone that was at one of these shows, but you hear about Bruce and, and it was in the press, I'm pretty sure afterwards, where Steve was saying that Bruce was kind of going through the motions. He wasn't really, he would put it all out there if it was a show where there was press there and things like that. But if not, he was just kind of going through the motions. What was that show you were at like? Um, it was the last UK gig, but it was Belfast. Um, person I would have said he was going through the motions. Um, there's, a, there's actually, uh, if you if you ever watch the Seventh Son uh, video, the DVD of the tour from Birmingham NEC, uh-huh. um, there's part in that where I think Bruce is inter- introducing Seventh Son, um, the the song. Um, but it's sort of through a whole spade about, you know, thank you, you know, you put this out, just give us a number one album, all the rest of it. And he said, he starts to say, uh, for the, for only this, I think it's only the second time in my life. And just as he says that, there's this noise, and then he corrects himself and says, our lives. Um, and I'm not good enough to be able to tell whether I, I just assume about my head, does Steve Harris sort of, you know, ping the bass <laughs> to make a point to him? It's not your life, it's our lives. Okay. Um, it's one of those things that uh, it's just, it's, I've always been very conscious of. I've never seen in, any discussions or anything about it, but uh, um, that bit just always stuck in my mind. Um, but Interesting. Coming, coming back to 93, um, I'd say in Belfast, I sort of thought it was a bit of going through the motions. Um, uh, it certainly wasn't there, made from a few years previous. Sure. Um, now, the set list had changed. It was great to hear some of the songs and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, he sort of knew, you know, he was on his way out, and you, you could very tell. obvious. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, after this, Bruce leaves, obviously. And in 1994, he puts out uh, his first solo album, Balls to Picasso, which I was thrilled to death when I got it. I can remember getting it. I can remember taking a trip. I drove in from Texas to New Mexico. It's was, it was an eight- or nine-hour trip, but I can remember playing that album over and over. So, when obviously he leaves the band and Iron Maiden has not put out an album at this point, did you get that album when it came out? No, I just, I just, I was very angry at Bruce, um, and uh, I just didn't really forgive him for walking out on Maiden. Um, uh, I didn't buy the stuff. I, I've, I've still not bought any of the albums. Um, oh wow. <laughs> Uh, when I came back to the band uh, in 99, I think about a Greatest Hits in 2001, I think it was. I, I did think. buy it. Um, I don't like most of the tracks on it, but uh, not enough to sort of rush out and buy the other stuff. And when you read some of the articles about it, you know, he was he was uh, sort of jumping back and forth through various genres and stuff um, uh, for, for, for his sound. Um, so... I didn't buy it. Uh, haven't bought them since, and haven't even heard them on Spotify or anything. So, oh man, um, I can't really say what they're like. Uh, I'll say this. I'll say this because he's put out. Let's see. So, so he put out Balls to Picasso in '94, '96. He put out Skunk Works. '97. He put out Accident of Birth, and '98. He put out Chemical Wedding, and I like all four of them. But if mm-hmm. I was going to recommend one and say, just listen to one, 
and and give it a shot. Go on YouTube and play the album. I would tell you, listen to Accident of Birth. That mm-hmm. album, the a- Accident of Birth and Chemical Wedding both uh, also have Adrian Smith playing on them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Roy. They both have Roy Z playing yeah. on them, and uh, I, I I liked the Skunk Works album. It was kind of Bruce's. What I would. I mean, there's some good tunes on it, but I would. It's his grunge album. It's a different yeah. sound, but it's still cool. But if I was just trying to get somebody to give it a shot, I would say "Accident of Birth." So, I, I, I'm not going to give you an assignment. We're we're both we're both uh, <laughs> we're both 50 year old men here, or pretty close to that. And but that's what I would highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> well, I suppose maybe 27 years or 28 years old, I should probably get over it. <laughs> Yeah, you you know I have a I have a friend that um, I I I I won't get into Queens Rock. I know you are based on something you wrote in your yeah email. I know you like Queens Rock, and once Jeff Tate left Queens Rock, this guy basically said, "I'm done with Queens Rock. I will not forgive them for getting rid of Jeff Tate and hiring Todd Latore." And I just met, and I've only met this guy in the last you know couple of in the last month or two, and so we were talking and. I went and saw Queensryche uh, a month ago and he sent me a message and he just said, Hey, how was the Queensryche show? And I don't know any of this story of his backstory. And I said, Oh man, it was great. I said, literally, if, if you were a blind man walking in there, you would have thought that was Jeff Tate. You would, I mean, he just, he just knocks it out of the park. I mean, he's, he's unique to himself as well, but you know, he sings the songs the way they're supposed to be sung. And I don't know. And I just, he, he kind of was like, ah, I just can't, you know, I can't listen to him because of this and that. And I said, I said, all I can tell you is you're missing out. I said, I would say, just go listen to it. Don't, don't worry about, is it Jeff Tate? Is it Todd Latore? Just listen to it. It's Queensryche. Listen to it like that and see what you think. And he goes, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And I didn't know that he had not listened to these at all and wouldn't even give him a shot. And he, so he tell then he tells me that I've never listened to it. I'll go ahead and give him a shot. And then a couple of days later, I messaged him and I said, well, did you listen? He goes, I've listened to all three of the albums twice. So I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's a big deal. If he's never listened to him. And he was like, you are right. I, 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 ha- I owe them an apology. I owe Todd an apology. I am all back in now. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. So, so I, I haven't actually listened to, I haven't got any other stuff since here in the Now Frontier, and it was, it was actually good. I didn't really like it all that much. I kind of thought it lost their way a bit, and I haven't. That's the last album I have for them. That's the, that's when I got out too. I saw the Promised Land tour, and I got here in the Now Frontier, and I was just like, eh, whatever. And. I I still have not heard any of the Jeff Tate albums after here in the now frontier. And then now they've done three with their new singer. Mm-hmm. When they put the first one out with the new singer, I listened to it when it came out. Cause I'd heard some live videos and I was like, wow, this guy's incredible. And so I got it. And I remember listening to the album and I thought, man, this is really good, but I just, I didn't stick with it. I just, you know, I was like, wow, it's good. And I bought the next one back then and I just never listened to it. So I listened to it recently. So here's, here's, here's my second recommendation. Go on YouTube or wherever and listen to the album by Queensryche. It's called condition human. It's the second album they did with Todd Latore. And as of right now, it's my favorite. Like I think it's phenomenal. 
It's it's a great it's Queensryche hard rock Queensryche. It's yeah. it's a phenomenal album. So I'll I'll say that I won't I won't you know sit here and go on on about okay. it, but but it's really good. It's really good, and you'd be surprised. So I shall give that a try. Yeah. So so okay. Let's let's get back to uh, let's get back to some Iron Maiden. Queensryche is a great diversion because. Uh, well, in a few years, you're going to probably have seen Queen's Rock opening for Iron Maiden, but let's get let's get to where we were, which was obviously Bruce Dickinson is a uh, non uh, a non discussion with you at this point. So, <laughs> so the next thing Iron Maiden does, they announce Blaze Bailey. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You saw the Fear of the Dark tour, I believe, and you said, no, wait, was it Fear of the Dark or No Prayer? Where you said you saw Wolfsbane opening. Yeah, uh, Wolfsbane opened for them for, for uh, the No Prayer Tour. And what did you think of Wolfsbane? I didn't think much. You know, they, they were, around that time, there was lots of uh, young bands coming through. It was supposed to be sort of the new, new wave of British heavy metal. Uh-huh. Um, and there was bands, there was a wee Scottish band called Gun, who I still love. I've uh, gone around the UK to see them in various clubs and, and pubs over the last number of years. Okay. Brilliant wee band. Uh, they came through at that. There was... Uh, Another band, Little Angels, coming through. Uh, Thunder came through at that time as well. And Wolfsbane were sort of in that category too. Um, you know, so various people who sort of, you know, friends who've been into Wolfsbane and stuff, but they just didn't do it for me. Um, didn't like the singer voice that much. So, uh, so okay. I, I didn't think about Austin. And then the next thing, uh, the next thing uh, is fronting up Iron Maiden. And you're like, okay. Because yeah. uh, there were some rumors at the time that, uh, uh, a guy from Halloween was Michael Keesk was supposed to be coming in, right? Um, who may have been a much better fit, but you know, you've talked about it before. You know, when you look at what happened with uh, uh, Judas Priest, you know, bringing in a, a, a match just isn't necessarily the same. Sure, um, there's sure. Uh, there, there, there's creative spark and stuff you have to look for there as well, and all. And uh, um, but look, you know, uh, this was Iron Maiden's choice, I'm sure Steve Harris thought he knew what he was doing at the time, so who was I to argue? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so when the X Factor comes out, you hear the album. What What's your first thoughts when you hear it? Um, so the, the, the lead single was "Man and uh, Man on the Edge," um, which wasn't terrible. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, so you get the album, I think it starts with "Sign of the Cross." Um, yeah, which uh, you know, "Sign of the Cross" was a fantastic track. Um, uh, I, I suppose uh, you didn't maybe didn't really appreciate it until you actually heard Bruce singing it. Just how good it was, but I, I still really enjoyed it. Um, but you know, just Blizz just I, it didn't sound right to me. Um, it was a bit like going back to the Paul Diano uh, days. Of, you know, these are great songs. Um, really enjoy the music stuff, and then the singing comes in. And it's not just as good. Sure, um, sure. but. Uh, but you also, also you went out and saw this tour though, right? Oh yeah, sorry, Maiden. I wasn't going to miss them. Um, they uh, they came back to Belfast this time, um, and uh, obviously metal had really uh, you know gone into the doldrums. Um, but uh, it's good to see Maiden come back to Belfast. But they're coming to play Maysfield Leisure Centre now. Um, uh, even the sound of you know the King's Hall versus Maysfield Leisure Centre. I'm sure you can imagine. But the Maysfield Leisure Centre was I don't know, maybe. If there were five hundred people there, uh, oh, wow. it, you know, so you know it wasn't hard to be up close and personal with the band. But um, I think 
maybe did evil that men do in that tour um and you know you could even myself with no knowledge of music at all could tell you know this doesn't sound anywhere near as good um, sure sure uh and i remember leaving that gig and, and you know you're sort of looking at this just felt quite sad um you know obviously through the metal press at that time there's lots of stuff about black sabbath you know and black sabbath just you know, I've, I've listened to you talking about it uh, uh, on your podcast, and and, and uh, uh, also uh, fucking metal. There, they've done sort of that Art Black Sabbath series, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of went into just a downward spiral. Um, and yeah. you just sort of thought, you know, Iron Maiden going that way here. You know, Donington '88, you know, hundred and seven thousand. You know, Kings Hall, Belfast sold out in nineteen ninety, half full in nineteen ninety three. In 1996, the camp set at a leisure center. Yeah. Um, but around the same time, ACDC had been touring as well, um, and they were doing Belfast and Dublin. And then it was announced that uh, I think the way you put it, some there have been some transport strikes uh, in Europe, probably in France, because that's what the French do. Um, <laughs> uh, and then they announced that the Belfast gig was being cancelled because some important equipment hadn't made it through these uh, blockades and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the tip, but they basically incorporate all the Belfast people into the Dublin gig. So you obviously know that uh, Dublin didn't sell that well. I put the two gigs together. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, all heavy metal was, was, was struggling at that time. Sure, um, sure. But it was just sad watching Iron Maiden. You kind of think, you know, the music's not as good as it was. Um, and uh, is this band just going to finish here? And you know, there's talk about, you know, very soon Iron Maiden. Well, but you know, we don't want to be playing Wolverhampton Town Hall and stuff anymore, things like that. So. I kind of thought the right was on the wall, and I honestly don't think the band would see it. Sure, it's it's you know there were so many things that happened, and you know you you have the voice. The that's the hardest thing to replace in any band is the voice. Yes, it is. It is. So you lose you lose the voice. The voice that you know Paul had. You know they were going upward with Paul, but you know with Bruce it was like they they were on this upward trajectory, and then Bruce comes in, and it's almost like it's almost like straight up, you know, and, and, and they were there for years. And then, so Bruce leaves. Well, let's go back even further. Adrian leaves. Bruce leaves. Uh, Martin Birch. He's quits. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone. The whole style of music has come, you know, it's, it's shifted and it's, it's not necessarily the style too, but think about people that were our age that were 16, whenever, Seventh Sun's out, you know, we're around 20 when no prayer comes out. You get the little, you know, four, three or four more years and people, I didn't quite start this at that age, but a lot of people start having families and mm-hmm. trying to work their careers. And it can be a time where you pull away from music a little bit. Not only that, Steve Harris is going through a divorce. His writing style changes. He's, he's, you know, you read his, read the lyrics on that album. He's not in a good place. So it all reflected in all of those things, all of those X factors, if you will, were in place. And it, yeah. it just, it was totally different, totally different, you know, and it was made. I suppose the, the other thing you've got to think about as well for them, you know, how many bands, particularly bands, actually come through, you know, at this stage, Iron Maiden, was what, from the mid-70s, um, you know, at this stage, they're, 
uh, 15 to 20 years into a career, uh, certainly 15 years into a recording career. Mm-hmm. You know, how many band careers actually last that long? Correct, go back, yeah. big, go back to the big bands of the 70s. You know, Led Zeppelin weren't going in the mid-80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, those bands, Nazareth and so on, like, um, UFO stuff, you know, some fantastic bands at that time selling out massive stadiums, but uh, in the mid-80s, well, you know, they were down a list at some two-day concert venues somewhere, uh, you know, as a nostalgia act. Um, so, you know, all bands go through that, and, you know, Iron Maiden's Renaissance is, uh, there's, there's not that many have gone through those kind of things. Um, sure, sure, but, sure. And, and, and then the next album they put out, Virtual Eleven. Did you buy it? You well, wait. You told me this is one thing you told me that I haven't, I didn't mention earlier. But you told me you bought Seventh Son the day it came out, and then you mm-hmm. also told me that every single album that has followed, you have gotten on release day. Yes, that's that's really really cool. So that tells me I don't have to ask the question about it. When you get it, Virtual Eleven on release day. And you take it home and you listen to it. What do you think? Um, I suppose it, it, in the same way that you know, like Fear of the Dark, your expectations are raised because it's a fantastic single. X Factor, the single was solid. Um, I think Lord of the Flies was a better single. Um, Virtual Eleven, I suppose it was on a downer because of the Angel and the Gambler. Sure. Um, I remember an interview from uh, the X Factor. Um, and I think Yannick and possibly Dave had been sent off to Oceania to do the interviews out there. Uh-huh. And they were saying, whenever, whenever they left and headed off, Sign of the Cross was going to be the single. And they were going out there to tell everyone, Sign of the Cross is the single. And then the news was out, no, 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 that's changed. It's Man on the Edge. And you kind of think there's that sort of row going on between Steve going, I want to release this 11 minute single, and Rod going, Wise up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're releasing, releasing something that can, can get played in radio. And I think maybe the time it came to Virtual 11. Uh, Steve was kind of determined to put out like a ten or eleven minute single, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know I, I think the, I think the well they better put out the Clansman if they wanted to do that. It was a much much better song. Oh yeah. Um, but, but Future Rail opened up. You know you think Future Rail is a really solid opener. Um, that would have been perfect. Launched, uh, yeah, and then you hit the engine of the Gambler, and you just your heart sinks. You know, mm-hmm. listening to that repeat, 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 repeat. repeat. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, sold enough album. I suppose it played uh, quite a bit, but uh, yeah. uh, they didn't. They didn't tour Ireland this time, uh, north or south, and uh, uh, I wasn't heading off across the water to see them. They weren't doing any big gigs or anything, so um, I missed that tour. Um, sure, uh, and it's I think one of only two tours I've missed since nineteen ninety. Um, I didn't wow. see the. They did sort of tour with Bruce. Uh, Whenever he came back, like a sort of warm up tour in '99, um, yeah. to that was with the computer game or something. Um, I missed it, so yeah. those were only two tours that I missed. Okay, so yeah, it's you know, there's I've read an article or an interview with Rod Smallwood, and he said that he fought pretty hard with Steve about that about the Angel and the Gambler versus Future Real, because to me, Future Real sounds like. It's maybe it's not okay. I'm gonna. It's not as good of a song as say like the Trooper, but it's in no. that vein of quick paced, just good solid rocker. That to me, like Future Real sounds like it would have fit on say a Peace of Mind, and to release that as your single would have been like you said, 
it would have been really good. You know, would have people would have been like, oh, cool, they're getting back to this classic sound. Yeah, yes, um, and the history might have been slightly different, but I suppose in the overall scheme of things, things have worked out pretty well for the band. And sure, sure. At the end of the sure. day, you know. Steve can't make every decision right during his entire career, but my goodness, he's got most of them right. There was a time when I was talking to somebody about it, and I questioned if it was, is it possible that there was a little bit of self-sabotage in there? It really seems weird to even think it, but it just seems, it's just, why on earth would you put the angel and the gambler out? It just makes no sense, but you're right. Even the best sportsman of any sport doesn't, like if it's baseball, no one bats a thousand. Everyone strikes out once in a while. Everyone misses the kick. Everyone misses the shot, whatever you call it. it, it no one's perfect. So, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, perhaps it's just bloody mindedness. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know. He's been right more times. He's been wrong. Oh and, yeah, uh, you know. Thankfully, thankfully, virtual eleven wasn't the end of his career. Yeah. Speaking of him getting a, a decision, getting him and Bruce in the same room mm-hmm. a little later on, and and getting them to, I'm pretty sure I've read the story about it, and it's kind of funny how I think he lied to both of them to get them both there because neither one of them wanted to be in the same room together, is what I seem to recall. Yeah. And, you know, got them together and they, you know, one thing led to another. They talked, they talked, they worked it out. They figured out that the sum of the part is greater than the, you know, the the whole is greater than the sum of the part. So, yeah, or however that's said, (laughs) you know, so they, next thing we know, we hear that Adrian Smith and Bruce are, because I'll say this, because I know you were boycotting Bruce's solo material then. But but I I seriously remember getting accident of birth or hearing about it and finding out that Adrian Smith was with Bruce and it was like oh wow this is like it wasn't half like forty percent of classic era Iron Maiden is on this album and mm-hmm. then the other sixty percent are on these albums but everybody said the Bruce and Adrian albums and. I, it was said, I don't I don't totally agree with it, but they said this is more Iron Maiden than Iron Maiden is Iron Maiden. And the only in my personal opinion is the only reason that they said that it well, there's two reasons now, obviously. The voice. The voice is the biggest thing by a long shot. But Adrian's soloing and writing. Bruce and Adrian are both really good writers, and Steve was a really good writer. Dave is a good writer when he writes, but he doesn't write that often. Yannick's a good writer, but he was still, I think Yannick was still in his developing writing stages at that point too. So, but you take Adrian and Bruce who are both prolific writers, they're writing together, they're doing songs together. And it was just like, wow, the heavy metal Bruce is back. And it it was, it blew Iron Maiden away at the time. Yeah, I think. I suppose the breadth of the writing pool that you have there in Iron Maiden has always been a big help to him. And you see, you know, I suppose, I think Steve made the comment, uh, I suppose numerous people have made it, you, you, your whole album, your, sorry, your whole life to write your first album. Yeah. Um, and then certainly Killers was kind of, I think it was what Dan was on at once, everything else was Harris. 
Um, it's probably to, to me, it's the poor of the two albums. I know the production's better, but uh, sure. I think I think this, I think the songs in the first album are much much better. Yeah. Um, somewhere in time, I think you know, Brewster, you know, taking a back seat in the writing for that one. You know, to me, sort of the quality of it dipped a bit. Um, uh, but certainly in in the Renaissance period, uh, you know, much more prolific uh, writing there. You know, mm-hmm. with, with the sorry much broader uh, number of people writing. Um, and I think it's uh, it produced stuff as good as anything in their career. Oh, yes, yes. So release day, Brave New World comes out. What what does the yeah. what does the counselor think? Um, I think that the excitement was uh, the excitement with, with Bruce and Adrian coming back um, uh was 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 just amazing, and then I suppose the Wicked Man coming out, you know, as a lead single, um, like what a lead single, uh, and you know, you saw the video for it, and, and uh, you're just saying this is going to be so amazing, um, and uh, of course, you know, there they were back. Um, the album came out. Um, I remember listening through the album, just listening to it, and uh, you know, it had those. That great thing you know, with Airman Times, you got that one-two punch at the start of the album, just really hit you. Sure. Um, and uh, the Brave New World, it, it, it did. Um, and then this, the, the single, sorry, not single, but but the third song, uh, Brave New World, come on in. Brave New World and Evil That Men Do are uh, my favourite two Airman tracks of all time. Um, uh, I just loved uh, Brave New World. It slowed down a bit into, into Blood Brothers then, but uh, to me, the album kept on going. Uh, the only songs I don't like, I know you love the song, uh, The Nomad, but uh, I just hate The Nomad so much. It's the only low point in the album <laughs> for me. Um, and I finish off Out of the Silent Planet and The Thin Line Between Love and Hate. And of course, The Thin Line Between Love and Hate, you sort of think it's finished and then it sort of dips down, 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 and then just goes back yes, in yes. towards the end of up again. Oh, such a fantastic song to close an album with. Is it? Is um, it? Is do? You, did you not like the Nomad ever, or was it because of the? No, nah, no, nah, never liked it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the, the, court, the, the court case only only made things even worse. Only made it um, worse, yeah. And, and you're kind of thinking that you know, <laughs> it's actually the music I don't like to it. Okay. Um, uh, and then that sort of the way Bruce sings, no, uh, yeah, I just don't like it at all. Oh, um, you don't like it but, when he does that, no. Yeah. Oh man, I love it so much. Love it so much. But so anyway, uh, so 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 Brave New World came out. It was just fantastic, and uh, they were playing Irish uh, uh, Court London Mel Two Thousand. I was like, right, I'm heading off to see them this time because uh, they weren't coming to Belfast. So uh, uh, I got off there to see that, uh, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, Mel was back. There was sort of, you know, some of the new bands starting through at this time. Um, yeah. you know, Lincoln Park particularly was one of the ones that stands out. The, uh, uh, you know, Bruce's back, Mel's back, uh, the Earl's Court's fairly big venue. Uh, I think it was sold out. Uh, I was over there to see it. Absolutely fantastic weather. There's, uh, England were playing, I think, in a match in the World Cup that night because the band were coming out sort of telling the score every now and again. Um, but well, just good to see. I remember you know, Adrian start and kick off uh, mm-hmm. to the Wicker Man, and you're just going, "This is like, at that stage, it was the best Ironman show I'd ever seen." Um, and then uh, I had off to see later on the tour they were playing Birmingham. I was heading off on, on holiday from Birmingham Airport the next day, mm-hmm. uh, so I managed to see the two of them to coincide. Um, but it's the 
it's a thing just uh you know, suppose going in there, you know, uh, seeing the Birmingham NEC was a fantastic venue because always asked where, where uh, uh, Seventh Son uh, video had been had been filmed. I had I'd watched it so many times, um, and uh, you just think, yes, you know, I'd love to be back there and and see him that Seventh Son tour. It's just it's the one sure. tour that I just wanted to see so much, but not to be. When you saw the tour, did. Did you see? Was it Rob Halford's band and Queens Rock opening? Um, I think it was Rob Halford. I didn't. I didn't see Queens Rock supporting them. Um, I saw Rob Halford supporting them. I'm not sure it was Rob Halford or, or the fight uh, group they had at the time. Um, but certainly Halford, and I was in America at one stage. Saw Motorhead supporting them with Halford. Okay. 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 So I guess we won that one. We got to see. Uh, Queen's Rack openings as well. So, yeah, I, 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 I got to see uh, Queen's Rack play Operation Minecraft on the Empire Tour. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very satisfied to see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, how many shows did you see on that tour? Did you see two or just the two? Okay. Okay. So, obviously, just moving through their history. Uh, well, wait a minute. What was the t- now? These are the tours that I did not see. I did not mm-hmm. see what was the tour they did after Brave New World. Was it the um, uh, like the old school tour where they played all the first era album, the first couple of albums? Um, it it wasn't it, that didn't actually start, uh, I think, until after Dance of Death, but okay. they did a wee tour in between, uh, Give Me Ed Till I'm Dead, uh-huh. um, and I. Certainly one of these summer tours, you'll get the band out. Uh, but I think the Blues Brothers putting the band back together again or something. But uh, yeah. they, uh, they did, I was supposed to go and, well, sorry, I, they, they played, uh, might have been Donington that year. Um, but I had tickets for Respringsteen, the Rising tour in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I couldn't get to see them in the UK. Um, and uh, they played in New York. Uh, and a friend lived in New York at the time. I said, okay, so. I was uh, on a plane across the pond to uh, to New York to see the wow. Square Gardens. Um, now they played a couple of less songs. I think they dropped possibly Heaven Can Wait from the set list. Um, but uh, uh, I'll just try and check the set list from that date. So you flew from to New York, <laughs> Ireland to New York to go to an Iron Maiden show, and you had a friend that was here. You said right. Uh, yes, no, okay. no, just uh, somewhere to say he wasn't in Terramin, So that that is the farthest I've ever been to go see an Iron Maiden show at this point in my life. Um, was uh, forty miles. <laughs> forty miles. <laughs> yeah, Dallas. Dallas is about thirty. Well, thirty. Well, when I lived, when I was a kid, where I grew up, it would have been fifty miles. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the set list in Madison Square Garden is open with numbers of the beast. Um, and then the trooper David Hubert song Revelations, How Would Be a Name. Then the Three and Wildest Dreams is a wee four tister of what's to come. Um, yeah. Probably not the best one. Uh, Wicker Man, Clansman, The Clairvoyant, Fear of the Dark, Iron Maiden, and then uh, Encore, Two Minutes to Midnight, and Run to the Hills. Um, but, uh, so it was nice to be set list to go and see. How, how did you like seeing Number of the Beast as an opener? How did that, how did that come across? Um, it's probably the only time I've seen Iron Maiden uh, open up where they didn't open up with the opening track of an album. Yeah. Um, 
I can actually remember looking down, you could sort of see the, the bodies moving around the stages to come out uh, while the intro was playing in the background. Um, but it was great. I mean, it was great as an opener. Um, and just the anticipation of what it builds uh, for yeah. that. Um, completely different from anything, I suppose, any, any other opener. Uh, particularly whenever but, you know, they, they had uh, the wicker man on there, which I suppose they could have opened with um, uh, had they wanted to. Um, but, yeah. uh, no, uh, it was different, and uh, I think it certainly worked. So I've never even thought about this until right now. So normally they're going to come on stage and they'll play – like when you listen to Rock and Rio, you know, and they have mm-hmm. the um, – not the it's not operatic, but it's just yes the big the big thing that plays before they come on and then but on this I'm assuming there's nothing like that it's just the lights go down and woe to you Earth and Sea comes out comes on. Um, I can't remember. Um, I I'm not sure what stage they uh, uh, started doing the, uh, the the UFO track. Uh, before they came on, it certainly wasn't back into in somewhere in time. To I think it was uh, uh, Blade Runner they had before they came on. Yeah. Um, but I, I certainly remember you know the lights going down. I remember I remember uh, Woe to Earth and Sea coming on. Um, wow. I can't remember anything before that, but uh, that would yeah, be really was, neat. That would uh, be neat. Sort of pretty surprising. That was like, oh, didn't expect that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you, know, you, so can, you, always, you, you can always tell Iron Maiden's opener. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, so you saw that in New York. Did you see? Um, did you only see the one show? Like, how long were you? You were, you flew to New York for that. How long did you stay? Um, I think I feel like the show might have been a Wednesday night. Uh, it was twenty three hours from we left until uh, the end of the gig. Um, my girlfriend at the time that was there with me uh, actually fell asleep during the encore. <laughs> <laughs> that's to <tough. laughs> so that's... sitting there. It was. Uh, a long day, but I think we we're there about five days in New York. Uh, okay, um, time to get around and see some of the sights, and uh, there you go. Enjoy some, enjoy some New York breakfast. There you go, there you go. So you go home, and the next, the next album they come out with, obviously, is Dance of Death, and you get it release day. That that really is cool to me because I got Book of Souls on release day, and I got Sinjutsu on release day. But before Book of Souls, I want, I'm guessing that. The last one I would have got on release day would have probably been Fear of the Dark. So, mm-hmm. but that's really cool. So, so you get it on, you get Dance of Death on release day, and you hear it. And what's your thoughts on Dance of Death? Um, I really like Dance of Death. Um, it's, uh, I don't think it's just as good as Brave New World. Um, Wildest Dreams as an opener, I think, lets it down. I think Wildest mm-hmm. Dreams is good enough, but uh, probably. It's probably better somewhere else. I think Rainmaker would be a much better opener for that mm-hmm. album. Um, it's just a fantastic little song. Yeah. Um, and I kept going, like, No no More Lies. Uh, I just love that song. Um, you can through, uh, I really like New Frontier. There's a beautiful chorus through it. Um, uh, I don't know much about melodies and all the rest of it, but I just uh, I really enjoy that song. Okay. Um, Passion Dales was one of the best war songs ever. Oh sure. Um, sure. Uh, so no, I, I have to say I, I really liked the album, and then so when obviously tour came along and they came out and did you know, the acoustic version of Journeyman at the start of the encore, um, which was which was a bit unexpected for for Air Maiden, but I think Steve Harris, you know, by this time was kind of maybe doing things a little bit differently, perhaps listening a bit more to 
uh, Bruce and Adrian stuff coming into the band, just you know, sure. Obviously, the logo had changed and stuff. Um, the, the big thing that you know, Dance of Death was uh, that album cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Th- th- there's actually there's actually a really good album cover there, screaming to get out. Um, yeah, and it was uh, one of the gigs that I was out for it. Uh, I noticed it. I hadn't actually noticed it on the album cover, but one of the gigs they had on the, on the t-shirt, just in the back of it. Uh, there's sort of the, the almost like Star Wars figures standing uh, in, in red at the back. Yeah. Um, and on the back of the T-shirt, just just at that was them, and then the, the tour dates down through it. I was like, God, that's fantastic! And because didn't have my size, and um, just at the end of the at the end of the concert, I was running around all the all, all the stands to try and find it in my size, <laughs> couldn't get it, and finally got it on mail order, and yeah. it came in just looking at it, and it's you're just looking at those. Just done those those four characters and any. Actually, that would be a good album cover, but that uh, computer-generated guff that they brought in was just awful. I thought you had said on the email that that was the one album cover that when you saw it, you wanted to get a tattoo of it. No, no. That's <laughs> <a trip. laughs> okay, okay. I must have I got confused. I must have got confused. Yeah. That that's, that's easily happened. So. So, now, how many... Yeah, I wonder how many people there are out there. I bet you the number I can count it on zero hands. How many people have the album cover of Dance of Death tattooed on them somewhere? You know, I saw uh, coming back from one of the Earth's court gigs, I'm not sure how it was the uh, Dance of Death or Brave New Words, her, but we had a customer walking into the subway and uh. Just you can see, you always look for the Iron Maiden artwork, what t shirts, you always get the denim back, uh, the yeah. patches and your denim jackets and stuff. And so, this guy, uh, and it's you know, he had the number of the base single, and you're looking at it going, Is that a t shirt? And then it's like, That's actually that guy's back, it's tattooed on it. You know, oh, wow, tattooed, you know, and the, the yellows and the reds and stuff that are in that, that must have been a that must have been a long tattooing session, painful too, I bet. Yeah, yeah, he might have been under the influence of on something on there to be a, able to tolerate that much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow, that's really cool though. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing when you. I've seen some really, really fantastic Iron Maiden tattoos, and then every now and then I see one that just looks bad, and I'm like, when I see the bad one, I think that's why I don't have a tattoo. Yeah, because I'm afraid of. I actually found a tattoo artist. I went. I, we went to eat somewhere one day and this guy working there just had just phenomenal looking tattoos all over him. And I, I mm-hmm. just was like, wow, where did you, one of his, one of his tattoos was um, a cartoon over here called the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. He had one of them yeah. on his arm and I saw it and, and I used to watch that cartoon when I was younger and I saw it and I just thought, wow, that looks incredible. And so I was just like, man, who does your tattoos? And he goes, hey, hold on just a second. He goes back and he comes out and gives me the guy's card. He's like, here's one of his cards. And I was like, okay, so if I ever get tattoos, then I know who to go to because this guy <laughs> looks great. So, but it's, yeah, it's, I, but it's, I, not, it's not something I've ever done. It was getting one of the tripper, but uh, no, yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've never done it. Yeah. I've thought about recently getting one of, you know, cause I don't have any and I thought, you know, one one thing is my kids. I thought about getting something of my kids, and I thought about getting um and like if if I was holding my arms in front of me, on like say my left wrist, and fr- before my hand, 
putting a letter uh, S for my daughter's name. But I would do the S like the S and kiss. And then mm-hmm. my son's name begins with the letter N. And so I would put a letter N on my right wrist, but it would be like the N in Iron Maiden. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought that would be kind of a, you know, a dual purpose because it's going to show a band that I love. You know, anyone that sees yeah. the N or the S that would go, oh, that's Iron Maiden or Kiss. Yes. So, so I thought it'd be kind of a dual purpose. But then I've always heard once you get your first tattoo and you like it, you never want to stop. And so I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Because my daughter's asked me recently. She's like, hey, when are you? You said you were going to get a tattoo with my, you know, of course it's her. Because you, know, well, you said my initial on there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> One of these days. It's, it's a, but, uh, yeah, but you can, I, do it, you can do it for your 50s. Yeah, that means, that means I've got about, uh, two months before I have to do it. And, and I've really, I don't know what I would get if I, you know what, what I would get if, um, if I was going to get Iron Maiden, a, a tattoo of Iron Maiden, my, one of my favorite things, of Iron Maiden is, you know, um, on the matter of life and death cover where it's got Eddie with the, uh, helmet on and then the two rifles crossing each yeah, other. Yeah. The skull and crossbones. Yeah. I love that because it's yes. just, and, and that it's just black and white or two colors. Yes. It's, it's not, you know, something like the trooper where there's all these intricate colors if you're yeah. getting, you know, but I've always thought that would be pretty cool. I've always liked that. So. Yeah, they sort of did it as Final Frontier as well. Remember, it was the, uh, sort of the alien skull and the uh, yeah. keys below it, but it, it was nowhere near as good. Yeah, yeah the, that, uh, that one's cool too. That one's cool too. Okay, so uh, what was next? The, you, How many shows did you see on Dance of Death Tour? Did you see one or two? Or um, I saw them uh, Dublin and London. Um, actually, the one in, in uh, Dublin had seats for, I'm just sitting just right behind the sound box. Um, Oh, Fantastic cool. venue. It, it's, it's been changed now, but uh, Rod Small was just sitting in the, uh, in the in the sound box just in front of us. Uh, it just came in just before the show started, just sat there and. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> would love to. He's a guy I would really love to chat to. Um, yeah. Uh, this is obviously like, the whole sanctuary music thing was a massive venture. He managed everything from Elton John to Iron Maiden, but uh, sure. Uh, Iron Maiden's obviously the the uh, the love of his life. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, the one that pays the bills. He, they struck the. You know, a lot of bands you hear about uh, went through, like a band like Judas Priest has had a, a great career, but they haven't had the career that Iron Maiden has, and a big part of that is they've had a lot of bad management. So, yeah, like, I don't know if anyone will ever write the story of Rod Smallwood, but it would be a fascinating one. To oh see. yeah, I think um, so. You know, just what he's, what he's done with the band, and I remember reading an article at one stage, quite a few years ago, just talking about the business model. It was really how uh, I suppose album sales collapsing and, and, and the business model, and uh, Iron Maiden has actually been used as one of the examples in terms of you know the the income they had from non-album sales. Um, sure, uh, you know, and, and, and that whole business model was really down to Rod Smallwood. Yeah, they, they they also owe a big debt of gratitude there for to Derek Riggs. <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah, without Eddie, I mean Eddie has just it's almost done for them what makeup did for Kiss. Except Eddie never gets any older. Eddie can always be young. <laughs> so yes, it can. Although you know, there's not that many Eddies since uh, 
it's a seventh son that you would uh, yeah. uh, be, wanting, be wanting in a tattoo. Sure, sure, sure. Now, the next album, I alluded to it a minute ago with my the tattoo mm-hmm. comment, was A Matter of Life and Death. I think it's pretty conceptual as an album. It's 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 my I, I have a it's either this or one other album that I would count as my number one. It's real. It's very very close. I I still count a matter of life and death as my favorite, but there's another one that's gained on it. So mm-hmm. so you get a matter of life and death, and um, it, to me it's a drastic change in sound. Well, it's it's kind of drastic change in sound compared to. Dance of Death. Dance of Death's kind of all over the place. A Matter of Life and Death is very cent- it's very uh, concentrated and it's very mm-hmm. it's very dark almost all the way throughout. So you get it. What do you think about it the day you get it? Um I, I suppose the, the album I, I really enjoyed the album. Um I think it's one of those ones where maybe don't know just as many highs and lows. I think it's an album where they're very consistent across the whole album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you take Dance with Death, you might have a few songs at 10 and a few songs maybe down at, at uh, five or six or something, you, you average somewhere. I think this is one of the ones where there's not much variation in terms of the average. There's a lot of good solid songs on it right through. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for the greater good of God, is uh, it just narrowly misses my uh, all-time top 10 Iron Maiden. Um, love that song. It was so fantastic to hear it on the... Uh, on the legacy tour there recently um yeah. out of the shadows another song i i, I really enjoy um and just in the run to recent sinjutsu um i just took the previous days and just you know went from iron maiden uh, right through the book of souls just listening to one uh, a day mm-hmm. um and just a matter of life and death you put it on it's just it's an enjoyable listen the whole way through um i'll say like even songs maybe like the the, the legacy um you kind of sort of maybe to me, I don't always sort of think, oh, must listen to that, but you listen to it. And particularly when, uh, when I read the history piece on it, um, it's a really, really good song. Mm-hmm. Oh, really yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. Now, you saw more than one of these shows for this uh-huh. tour. Now, you were at a very famous show on this yes. tour. Which show did you see that was the very famous show? Uh, I assume you're talking about the one in Earl's Court when the sound system went down. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I, I was at that. Um, I was sitting up in the balcony, um, just trying to uh, entertain the crowd. A similar thing actually happened on, uh, I think it was on the uh, Eddie Rips Up Europe tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying that else. The next one, a similar thing happened in Dublin. It didn't happen for as long. They had some problem with the bass and they had to reset something. Um, mm. And uh, Bruce and Yannick came out and did some skits at the front of the crowd to keep us, keep us going. <laughs> but it, it, it only lasted five minutes or so. Um, the one that night at Earl's Court lasted, uh, I don't know, it seemed an awful lot longer. Um, they were sort of trying to keep the crowd going for a while. I'm not sure if they actually finished up going off stage or not. They certainly stayed on stage quite a while. Um, and then they could finally got it going. They came out and said you were playing through the curfew and stuff, but uh, yeah, uh, they didn't have to play that long through the curfew. But uh, um, we were all quite excited by the fact that we weren't getting having to stop at half ten or whatever the time was in London. Sure, sure. It, is it true that whenever Yannick and Bruce were going to do the skit that Yannick was originally coming out to do, getting jiggy with it? 
That's really cool, though, that you got to go to those to see that show. And and I know that supposedly they were going to be recording like that was probably at least, you know, all the hearsay is that was going to be the tour show that we were going to get as an official release. But with all the problems, for some reason, they it seems like they could work around those problems. So I, well, I, 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 I kind of I also think they were, if I recall, I, th- I think they were there two nights in a row. Um, yeah. So it's probably why, why we wanted to record it, but uh, um, it certainly couldn't, uh, like in this day and age, you, you think it wouldn't have been any any worse than uh, the recordings of Beast Over Hammersmith had been, which, you know, made it onto a, mm-hmm. a reasonable sound whenever, whenever it came out. It's, it's, I know that just recording a podcast, if, if one of us had to go to the bathroom right now, I wouldn't stop the recording. All I would mm-hmm. do is I would just cut it at two spots and edit that part out and just pull it all together and it'd be simple. So, I mean, a professional like them could easily do it. So it, it kind of makes me think that maybe they weren't going to record that because there's no reason that they wouldn't have been able to fix that. Just start the sh- it, Yeah, I think they've done every other. Yeah. Every other one has had a live album coming out. Yeah, um, they have. It, it would, I, I actually, it would be nice if they'd done uh, uh, the Eddie Rips Up Europe, uh, you know, something live from that, or Eddie Rips Up the World, whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, you know, because those are tracks that will never ever be played again. Um, yeah. It would be nice to have, have, have those released, but. Yeah. The movie would have been a box set some year. So you saw this tour, you saw them play the full album, and you also mm-hmm. saw the, what did they call it, A Matter of the Beast? Is that what that one was? Yeah, the following year, it was the, uh, it was the anniversary, the 25th anniversary of Number of the Beast. Uh-huh. Um, so today we're sitting at 40 years on. Um, yeah. So the following year, they sort of, I think it maybe four off uh, Number of the Beast, and uh, they sort of took it back down to uh, sort of like a normal tour. Um, so I... I have to say I wasn't overly fussed and sitting through the full album. You know, it was Iron Maiden. I really, you know, I, I always really enjoy it, but sure. you know, I still found it was like, tough going um, <laughs> for a full album. And I've heard various bands play full albums. So there's a Scottish band called Texas of all things, um, and they played their, their first album. So I said there recently. I was good tickets to go and see it. Go and see it. Um, I've seen Bruce Springsteen play. I don't know five of his albums in full. And I never enjoy listening to full albums. Um, the only exception is Queen's Right Operation of Minecraft. Yeah. Um, and I do think Iron Maiden should have probably played Seven Song of a Seven Song in full at some stage. Sure. Um, but certainly, the matter of the Beast Tour, I thought it was a better set list. Um, bringing in you know four or five of the great songs off Matter of Life and Death, sure. just mixing it sure. up as you normally would. Um, I think I was Donington saw them at. Yeah. Um, I think Evanescence was one of the support acts at it. No, wait a minute. I, I want to clear. I want to clarify something here because you did say this in the email, but you just said it now, and I want to make sure to clarify it here too. You said there's a band from Ireland, and their name is Texas, Scotland, Scotland. I'm sorry. You, yeah, band from what? What? I want to say someone has told me about this band before, but what do they? What kind of music do they play? Um, pop rock. Okay. Okay, I, I, I want to say someone's told me about this, and I have yeah. at least heard a song, so I, I'm quite sure. I want to say, who would have told me about this? Uh, um, you might have heard me talk before to Alan Bell. 
Yes. Who's from Scotland but lives in England, and I'm pretty sure he would have been the one to tell me about this. So if if yeah. I did, he can. If I didn't, he can correct me. But yeah, you've got a female lead singer, uh, Charlene Spateri, I think her name is. Okay. Um, but uh, I've seen her live a few times. Uh, she's actually one of the best front people I've seen. She's fantastic at interaction with the crowds. Um, okay. She's a people up out of the audience dancing with them and stuff. Uh, she's really, really good. Okay. 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 So now the tour after A Matter of Life and Death, was that the Somewhere Back in Time tour? It was, yeah, it was. Um, the, the, I think that that whole business model movement into there, uh, you'll do a new era, old era. Um, mm-hmm. You'll come back to, to see those. Um, like as a business model, it's just been, uh, you know, to, to, to me, it's, it, it, it's, it's genius. the golden egg. It's genius, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. And I'm sure the merchandise that they're selling uh, for, for, for that, you know, second time, you know, how many bands really get a second chance to go and sell the 80s merchandise all over again? Exactly. Um, uh, so it was fantastic to see that. Just, just hearing those. The, the one thing it created with me, and it's only just for me being uh, one of these uh, uh, OCD people, was that uh, they were playing Fear of the Dark. You know, I'm kind of like, why do you need to play a song from 1992 when you're you're <laughs> uh, you're doing this classic era? And there's, you know, it's not as if you're struggling to fill that. Um, you know, they could have thrown in Stranger in a Strange Land there easily or somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere in time or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I just thought Fear is the Dark. You know, I like the song and all the rest of it. It's a great sing-along song, but um, there's opportunities there to uh, to get into some of the classic era songs that we could have done. Well, it's like when they did the um, Made in England tour and they did Afraid to Shoot Strangers on it. Uh, yes. Um I suppose the one thing that maybe tells you is that they have no intention of going back and doing a early days for for no yeah. prayer for the dying. Sure, the sure. dark. I sure. have abandoned that. It makes sense, but it, they could have played Infinite Dreams instead. <laughs> yes, they could. Have. That's the because that's the one they've never. I mean, they played it on the Seventh Sun tour, and to my knowledge, yeah. it's never been played again. So. No, it hasn't. Uh, and, 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 and it was released as a live single. At that time, I remember Steve saying it would be dropped from the set list. And everybody um, loves it. Everybody, you, you never hear anyone go, eh, I'd rather hear Can I Play With Madness. <laughs> um, yeah, it wouldn't be my favorite song on the album, but uh, sure. I, I do like it. Yeah, yeah. So the next album that you got on release day was The Final Frontier. Yes. What did you think of The Final Frontier compared? Well, let me ask it this way. You got the album, and the first track is very interesting because when I first heard it, it was really, really weird the way it started. I was like, "What on earth? What happened to these guys?" So, what did you think? Um, I didn't like it at all. Um, uh, the final frontier section of the song itself, I think, is really good. But the satellite fifteen bit was um, it was okay as an intro at the concert. Yeah. Sort of in that sense of building up, but uh, on the album, to me, it just didn't work at all. Um, but yeah, I wish that that he it's would have sang it live. You know, at least if they're going to play that three and a half, four minute intro, you know, where I've tried to call the Earth's command, desperation. The mm-hmm. same, the same way on the Book of Souls <laughs> when they did, if eternity could fail, you know. Bruce came out and said, here is the soul of a man. Here it is place for the taking. If they would have done the same thing on the 
on the uh, the intro, the Satellite 15 part, I think it would have been so much better, at least as an opening. But to me, it was like, you watch it and it's like four minutes of a track just playing. And it's like, okay, come on, let's get this thing going. Yeah, though the, the, the opening to Book of Souls is much shorter. Um, right. Another thing is, I suppose, the music behind Satellite 15 part to do as well. Um, I suppose you could sing along to a backing track, but... Uh, right. No, it, certainly on the album, it didn't work for me. Gotcha. What do you think of the rest of the album? Um, from the new era, um, it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be my top three from the new era. Um, I still, it's, it's better than Book of Souls, but I sort of thought they were kind of stereotyping sort of going down a wee bit just in terms of the uh, the brilliance of the, of the albums. Uh, that said, Talisman is on it, is certainly in my top ten. Um, I know you're not fussing when the wild wind blows, but I actually liked it. So um, I don't hate uh, it. I just it's just after in time, it's kind of changed for me. Yeah. Coming home at the time. I think I sort of thought it was a bit of a wasting love kind of thing. It's sort of tried it and failed, but listen to it live and stuff, and, and now I absolutely love coming home. Okay, that's um, okay. fantastic. So other songs, you know, Eldorado. I wasn't just fussing Eldorado. Mother of Mercy, uh, you know, good solid rocker. Um, I love Mother of Mercy. Uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've, when I've listened to it, I don't know if it was yourself or, or Talking Maiden, I have to be sort of trying to analyze the. The song, in terms of you know, cutting the lyrics, you, you can't actually get breath in here. And, sure. You know, somebody yeah. basically cut and paste some of, some of this in. That's why they haven't sung it live. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't pick those things up. It's fascinating listening to the discussions for people who actually understand music. Yeah, they played the third song from every album in the new era live, except Mother of Mercy. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And I love Mother of Mercy. So, Okay, so where are we here? Yeah. We're at the final frontier. Yeah, you you saw. I, I know you saw the tour, but did any was there any monumental shows that you saw? Anything that stood out? Um, I saw them in, in Manchester, and then I saw them in Belfast as well. They were coming there. Um, uh, this is one of the ones. The set list there, they actually had the Trooper and the Wicker Man uh, playing back to back, which is you know in the modern era, Iron Maiden playing two short songs in a row yeah. um, is is almost unheard of. Um, Good point. When they, when they come across to Belfast, uh, uh, they actually dropped the trooper. Um, and obviously the trooper, you know, it's an iconic, uh, absolutely iconic Iron Maiden song. But the album oh, cover, yeah. or sorry, the single cover, it was the soldier and the Union Jack flag there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's been painted on murals in, in, in Northern Ireland and uh, uh, all the flag waving and stuff at times tend to bother. So uh, they dropped the trooper from the set list. Um, and I was absolutely gutted um, for it. Yeah. I think it was a bad decision, but you know, I think Arabian fans understand what the song's about. Uh, oh yeah, no, oh, yeah. But uh, um, but look, it's, it, it's Northern Ireland. And flags are always contentious here, and uh, that was a decision they took. I just I just thought it was a, a bad call. Um, but uh, uh, but uh, those two songs just actually together. You know, so infrequent now that you get two short rockers from Iron Maiden in a row. <laughs> yeah. um, it's normally you know, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, right? Let's throw in Rathchild or something, right? Here's another 15 minutes song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but anyway, that was Spinner Frontier. Um, and then we get back to uh, classic era for Maiden England. And you finally got to see that elusive Seventh Sun tour. Yes, I did. Um, I, I, I did. Uh, I. Got it four times. <laughs> four times. Wow. Yeah, they went to Donington and then I was I was in the Netherlands as work, um, and they were playing there. So uh, 
jump in a taxi, head it down, got a ticket and in to see them in Amsterdam. And then uh, they closed it out. Uh, they did the final shows of tours at the O2 Arena. Of course, it sold out in minutes. Um, so then they sell, you know, they race another night. And of course, you know, you really got tickets for the last show of the, of, of, of the entire tour. Yeah. But, you know, Rod Smallwood doesn't sort of think to, you know, well, we sold out, let's race one the night before. No, they raced the night after. So now, I don't know the last night of the tour, so I had to go and buy the last night of the tour. So um, <laughs> there's a there's a Scottish uh, band called Runrig. Um, they're sort of one of these sort of folk rock bands, um, mm-hmm. and I've always always liked them. Uh, and they a few years ago, there uh, one of their uh, one of their members is now a, a member of Parliament and stuff. So they said to sort of do a wee, uh, couple of gigs in Scotland to finish up their their uh, career mm-hmm. uh, so they had this last night it sold out um, and then they put on next night on next night the night before so those who'd got for the last every gig still had it um, uh, I just thought Iron Maiden is you know whenever people are going to try to buy the last night of the tour I think it's just not particularly fair to go out and stick in the next night after it to you know but anyway but I saw two yeah. uh, two Iron Maiden shows some fantastic tour at the O2 Arena so it's not as if I was disappointed <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, and th- th- that's actually the tour. You know, when they came back to that made in England, like, uh, I personally didn't think the whole uh, matter of life and death playing the full album. I just really didn't think it worked in the, on the tour. Um, the thing I always loved about Queen's right, you know, when they toured Operation Mindcrime, they didn't go out and play the full album. So it was new people didn't know it. But on Empire, they played it, and it really worked. And I just thought, you know, whenever Iron Maiden came in. Uh, on that tour, that was a time to you know, come in, open up, and do some of the classic year stuff. And then say, okay, here's Seventh Son, we're doing it back to back, and then you know, go on close out Iron Maiden, and then bring in the encore. Um, yeah, I just thought you know, it, it, it's an album that it hangs well together, um, and I just love to hear it played the full way through. Um, but anyway, I think it's a missed, missed opportunity for them. Sure, sure, yeah, that's. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because a lot of bands have done that thing where they'll just come out and play a full album. But Maiden has never done that other than and and doing it for a matter of life and death is not the same as Judas Priest coming out in the last 10 years and doing British Steel in full, you know, a mm-hmm. classic era. Like if, if they came out and did Power Slave in full from start to back, that would be Something like that would be really neat, but it really surprises me that Iron Maiden has ever done that. <sighs> yes, uh, uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's just you know, there's a few of those tracks. Maybe it wouldn't be that easy to play them live. So I, I just don't know enough about it. But yeah, um, that's true. Uh, you know, this stage is very like the one thing that uh, you know, mentioned before. I know you're not a huge fan of Springsteen, but you know, Springsteen will come out and play the same venue two or three nights in a row. And change the set list every single night, or maybe sixty percent of the set list. Sure. Metallica seem to be doing that over the last few tours. You know, okay, we'll come out and change the set list from night to night. Yeah. So you kind of, if you if you go two, three, four nights through the tour, uh, you get to see a different show. You get to hear different songs. You get to hear some classics. Right. Uh, some Iron Maiden have never done. It's very much been a theatre production. This is the tour, and maybe yeah. if there's a second leg to the tour, they might chop up change over a few songs. Sure. Um, sure. But. It's such a strong back catalogue, they could easily do that. Yeah. Now, you said a minute ago that you thought the Final Frontier was better 
than the Book of Souls. And you also said that it would not be in your top three. So where do you rank the Book of Souls? <laughs> um, from the modern era, I certainly bought them. And my overall Iron Maiden catalog, uh, it's probably in the bottom three there as well. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so overall, you would say your consensus of Book of Souls is? Um, it's Iron Maiden. I'll put it on. I enjoy it, but um, I don't really have the standout tracks in it. Uh, you know, if I was doing a playlist, uh, there's a couple of good songs on there that would make it Death or Glory, fantastic song, really, really good live song. Um, and uh, If Eternity Should Fail is, I think, as good a song as probably they've written. Um, really enjoy it, but you get to things like the red and the black, and it's I couldn't I couldn't recite a single lyric from the red and the black, um, <laughs> yeah. other than the title. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just it just doesn't. I don't know. Shadows of the Valley I, I liked as well, but you know, Tears of a Clown. It's kind of like, oh, it's just an awful song. Man of Sorrows, not particularly the first song. Empire of the Clouds. Uh, uh, as a standalone track, I do enjoy it. Um, yeah. Uh, lots of history in it. Uh, sure. Um, but I uh, don't think it adds much to the album. Yeah, yeah. I I think it, it feels like a lot of people feel that way, but but it, it was exciting to have a new album, like you said. So. Yeah, it was. It was a chance to get out and see them again. Uh, I had to go see them live. I always enjoy them live. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so got to go and see them. I think I saw them another couple of times in that tour as well. You have seen so at this point. At this point, because okay, well, you saw. I'm assuming you saw the Legacy of the Beast tour. Yes, yes. Including the Legacy of the Beast tour, how many shows have you seen in total by Maiden? Uh, Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Wow, that's awesome. Not enough. Not enough, as they say. Not well. Yeah, there's never. It's never enough. So now we had. Obviously, last year in September, we had the new album that came out. And before that, probably a month and a half before that, two months or so, we had this long buildup. Now, being that you're a politician, I don't know. know, I, I admittedly don't know anything about politics. I don't keep up with politics. But I remember that Bruce Dickinson was at the time getting in supposedly a little bit of hot water because he was coming out and making comments about, and I'm not, and I'm not asking you to explain what this part is, even though I'm going to say, I don't know what it is. I don't even care, but he was coming out and, and giving his comments about something over there called Brexit, which I've, I've heard a little bit about, but and everyone was just going on about, oh, Bruce, Bruce is saying all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, all of the attention diverts away from any of his comments to what is this shirt he's wearing? What what is this shirt he's really making sure people are seeing here? And then you start, all of a sudden it starts popping up everywhere and no one remembers anything. Do you think, okay, I asked, I said all that to say this. Do you think the only reason Bruce was making controversial statements was just so he could wear that shirt and, and pull the, and, and, and open it up and kind of stand there and say, yeah, it's right in front of you. 
Well, I think he, he had made a few comments uh, about Brexit uh, at various times throughout the debate. Um, he was asked, asked for his opinion. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't think he was saying anything that he hadn't sort of said before. Um, I think it was more he was sort of using the opportunity to uh, 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 drop a few hints. Um, and sure. It's, it's probably as good a as good a teaser campaign as they have ever run. Oh, um, I remember back into, back into maybe the late 80s, early 90s, uh, uh, they had a trader campaign run some of the papers, you know, a single come out, and they just had uh, sort of an advert sort of bottom right-hand corner of a page. Sure. And it just sort of said like a date on it in the Iron Maiden uh, uh, logo graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, you see that and it's like, <gasps> Something's coming. Something's yeah, coming. Something's yeah. coming. Um, so you get that. So uh, um, I thought this teaser campaign was uh, was just fantastic the whole way through. Um, uh, I actually started. Uh, I had I sort of late some of the I mean, I, I've listened to lots of podcasts, but they're normally things like you know the, the Economist magazine podcasts and, uh, and the Spectator mm-hmm. and BBC News and uh, financial programs and so on. Um, I discovered Talking Maiden very, very late on, but you know, I listened to it from the start to the finish, and I was, I was doing the same with your with your own podcast. Yeah. Um, but then you're kind of like, okay, these guys are going to be talking about all the stuff that's going on, so I had to go and just sort of so I was listening to your stuff from the start, and I was listening to it from uh, last summer whenever this started coming through, just to you know, you know, just get involved in the excitement of it all. You know, what's this? Sure. Um, obviously, people around the world, you know tracking things down that I just don't have time to track down anymore. Um, so it was just that whole excitement building all summer long. It was a lot um, of fun. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it really was. And then obviously when the video came out um, and you're watching this and it got me in mind of Pink Floyd. Um, yeah. Uh, sort of that type of, you know, almost the content, but certainly the, the design of the video um, take you back to, to the wall or something. I'm not sure if that's the way it was designed or not, but... Uh, right. Right. Uh, it certainly is a, right, it's a classic comment here. So I guess the date was it? Am I, it was September 4th, if I recall, that the album dropped. Mm-hmm. And okay, one thing, other thing that I haven't mentioned here, I know you mentioned it a little bit, but you told me that when an album comes out, you buy it in every possible format as well uh I, I certainly used to uh okay these these days it tends to be uh download plus the cd booklet um uh i collected i read stuff right up until i think it was the last that i bought was no more lies um i'm not sure so after that i started downloading stuff um okay okay so, so probably no more lies is probably the last time i bought cd singles um I'm not sure they have uh, actually been sending physical copies of singles to send or not. Um, but so now it's always the uh, uh, usually the CD digipack book type thing. Um, I've got most of I've, I've got all of those. And I usually buy it and download now because the time the book arrives, it's so hard to find the record store. You have to order online. Sure. Uh, sell them here first day. So uh, there's a download bot as well, um, just so we get it first day. Okay. Now, now here's a question. Because you're in politics, I have to ask this. When you're running for whatever office, whatever position you're trying to get, does the Honorable Counselor, Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party, in Garvaugh, Northern Ireland, use No More Lies 
as his theme song. That was a play that you have been telling lies in the first place, so no. <laughs> no more. <laughs> very good. Very well. Very well. I'm pretty sure Matt had asked me that. We, we were just talking about you one day. He's like, I wonder if he's ever used No More Lies. <laughs> or you could say, you could be comparing yourself to the other politician. You could say, <laughs> you know, when it you know when it comes to um, Uncle Steve over here, we're getting nothing but lies. But with me, you get no more lies. <laughs> and then you could have that part play no more lies over and over and over. <laughs> Sorry, I, I think the public here, the same as the public in America, nobody trusts politicians anymore, unfortunately. But, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. That's true. So it's, it's, that's why the word over. You're held to a very high standard here because I have. Because I don't trust politicians either, but I've, I, you, you're, you're the only one that I trust. <laughs> so please don't let me down. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do my best. I can't. I'm going to be going to my mom's house tomorrow, and mm-hmm. for Mother's Day, and wait till she hears that I had a converse, a three hour conversation with a politician. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, Senjutsu came out. You listen to it the yeah. first day it comes out. What, how soon did, did you stay up till like midnight or whatever or when it or did um, you? It, it was supposed to be on race. I think maybe it said it was going to be racing two o'clock in the morning or something. It got here um, uh, and I had the alarm set and got up and went on to see, but couldn't get it. Uh, I wouldn't download. Um, mm-hmm. And I woke up again sometime between four and five uh, in the morning and uh it was available then, so it's like, right, hit download, and then just started playing some jitsu and stuff um, to go through, and you just heard those drums come in. It's like, yeah. there's, a, there's a classic here. Um, and uh, just listen to it that first day going through, and, you know, it, it just, for me, it just didn't let up until uh, Death of the Celts. Um, I thought Death of the Celts was still a good song, but um, it's it's no clansman. Um <laughs> and the parchment again, just it wasn't as good. And I suppose maybe that apprehension. Actually, I saw Death of Celts parchment hell on earth kind of open on me. Whenever you saw the, saw the, you know, the songs and the track list, and, and there's that sort of thing, you're sort of looking at it going, "Oh no, it's a bit of souls all over again here." You know, everyone sure. has to weigh in at ten minutes long, and you're looking at you know, three yeah. Harris tracks. You know, Harris, absolutely my favorite writer in Iron Maiden. Um, I, I love his stuff, but. You know, you sort of are looking at some of the, you know, he's gone away from writing, you know, the trooper and that, and you know, throwing in the odd epic to, you know, if you write something like the trooper now, it's an epic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it's certainly, it's certainly so rare. So it's kind of quite apprehensive about this, you know, saying that's going to be a long half hour through that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but they, they, they weren't, um, you know, as I say, Death of Kills is not as good as the Clansman. Um, uh, parchment is. I think it's better than most of the stuff on, on, on Book of Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then you get into Hell on Earth, and I think I'm on something over over 200 plays in that song already. Wow. Um, since I got it, it's just uh, almost every morning. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's right, you know, as soon as I get out of bed and head to the shower, uh, I hit it um, uh, to play. Um, it's just one of the most amazing tracks I've ever written. Wow. So... Another question is, where do you have, you have a large collection of Iron Maiden things. So where, do you have a room in your house that's set up that's just wall to wall or or, or no. is, it, is it all in boxes or what? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much all in boxes. Uh, 
uh, CDs uh, would get played uh, when I'm in the when I'm out in the car. Okay. Um, well, one of one of the cars I have is uh, is uh, quite old. It it, it, it takes CDs, um, but most of the stuff just listen to uh, through downloads these days or you know, via the phone. Um, that's you know, play through some of the speakers. Um, so that's the, that's the way I consume most of it. Uh, I've got you know a couple of large boxes with of over eighty t-shirts now. Um, so a couple of large boxes uh, stuff for the t-shirts. Lots of them still in the original in the original bags, never opened. Um, records and tapes and uh, videos and box sets and everything's <laughs> there. The, the DVDs are still actually the DVDs are sitting beside the TV because I'm cycling the DVDs through. Uh, I've been working at home over the last few months. Um, so yeah, it's all around me. All, all of your concert shirts are they in boxes or are they hanging in the closet or what? Uh, most of them are in boxes. Uh, I've got about six of them out that I that I wear. Uh, I've got a nice navy Sinjutsu t-shirt on today. Uh, so half a dozen of them that I sort of wear. Um, but the rest of them are all kept in boxes. And the tour t-shirts, uh, uh, they've never been worn. It just you, know, you buy them. I just keep them. Is there any chance that when you're up for election that you'll wear a jacket? With an Iron Maiden shirt underneath it, and like Bruce at the confrontational stakes, you'll just kind of open the shirt up and go. The <laughs> answers are right in front of you, and you'll have like the number of the Beast shirt on or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have a good idea. Yeah, exactly. You you'll you'll get the lowest percentage of votes uh, of anyone. So, okay, uh, I have two more questions for you. Two more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is a is a. I think it's a. It's probably not a simple question, but it's which of, I think Iron Maiden has 10, 11, 12, 13 of these things, but which live album is your favorite? Uh, Rock and Rio. Rock and Rio. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Now the, the last, it's, it's, sorry, the set list for it was, was great. Um, oh, I love the, yeah. And the band, you know, it, it had the, it had the stage show, you know, supposed to be to arrive live after death in many ways. Um, for the, uh, the word slavery tour, um, the song choice was just excellent. Uh, the band, I think, just their absolute peak, and the um, crowd, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have to I'd say it's probably my favorite. Excellent, excellent. Now, the last question is a 17 parter, if you <laughs> catch my drift. So, and I'll give you a choice, I've decided to do this a different way. You can either list your favorite song or your least best song from each album. I'll give you which which one of the two would you like to name? I could probably do both quickly enough. Okay, here we go. I'll name album. You tell me favorite and least favorite. Just make sure to clarify which is which. Otherwise, you'll be getting hate mail just like me and Matt always <laughs> do. So, <laughs> okay. So, self titled album Iron Maiden. Uh, favorite would be Phantom of the Opera. Um, least favorite, uh, Strange World. Strange World, okay. Killers. Uh, favorite is probably Killers. Um, least favorite, uh, Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan, okay. The Number of the Beast. Oh, favorite, how be a name? Least favorite, Invaders. Invaders, okay. Peace of Mind. Oh, that's an easy one. Um, the Trooper and uh, 
uh, Quest for Fire would be the would be the worst, the trip the best. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty easy album to go with there. <laughs> As if you need to clarify that one. <laughs> right, right. Um, Power Slave. Oh, two minutes to midnight. Favorite. Uh, Lost for words, uh, least favorite, only on the basis that it doesn't have any lyrics to it. But <laughs> no, that's yeah, exactly. a solid, solid album. It's a, it is, it is, and that's a great instrumental too. I think. Okay, yeah. somewhere in time. Uh, favorite uh, wasted years, least favorite déjà vu. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> wow! That's that's the first one I really don't agree with. So, okay, okay. <laughs> Um, no, that's okay, but that is okay. It's a seventh son of a seventh son. Uh, favorite the evil up men do. Um, very, very closely followed by only the good day young. Uh, least favorite, uh, the prophecy. Prophecy, okay. No prayer for the dying. Uh, tail gunner, easily the favorite. Um, least favorite on that, uh, Probably Fate's Warning. Okay, okay. Fear of the Dark. Favorite, that's getting hard. Um, Probably Fear of the Dark, just because of of its enduring presence in the live set list. Um, Least favorite, uh, The Operation. (laughs) Okay. Probably one of my least favorite Airmen songs ever. I don't know... uh... I don't know if there's a word it's that's not my least favorite song on the album, but it's it's a terrible song either way. Yeah, it, is. it really is. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the X Factor. Um I would actually say my favorite on it is Lord of the Flies. Um, I really love Sign of the Cross, but Lord of the Flies is just such a classic little underrated song in there. Um uh, least favorite probably two a.m. Two a.m. Okay. Virtual eleven. Um, the Clansman probably has to be my favorite. Um, Angel and the Gambler least favorite. <laughs> okay. And now we get now 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 I think the next album is one of the well I know you already told me this one actually the. Yeah, you can do that one yourself. <laughs> yeah, so, so you said Brave New World and Nomad, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. This is this is you know when your constituents know you this well, that's a good thing. So, <laughs> okay. Dance of Death. Uh, favorite on there is probably No More Lies. Um, least favorite on it. Face in the sand. Whoa. Face in the sand? Yes, close with the journeyman. Have you ever heard the opening track from Dance of Death? Yeah. That's a good point. Well presented. Oh, man. Face in (laughs) the sand. Yeah, actually, no, no. Actually, actually go through all those dreams. Golly. To me, Face in the Sand is one of the best songs on the album. Wow. No, but that's I, a, yeah, no, no, let's let's go. You can edit out while the streams go. Go for that. Is the, go for that. The worst on it. Um, it. Yeah, no, sorry. I just started looking at no more lies and remake, and then working down through the list there. But uh, sure, while the streams. You know, and I, I always tell people though, even though I, I like to, you know, give people a hard time, and when they say things like that, but it's music is art, and art is totally yeah. subjective. And you yes, know, absolutely. 
You know, one person looks at a painting and sees one thing and the other person sees crap. So, you know, it is what it is. That's what I always find, you know, whenever you're doing this, just so fascinating to listen to. Because, uh, you know, everyone's got their list and you've got to respect their own choices. But you're sitting there going, yeah. how on earth do you like that? <laughs> I know, I know. Especially with Matt, man. Some of Matt's some of Matt's uh, choices sometimes just boggle my mind. But, you know. Okay, so where were we at? We were at A Matter of Life and Death. Yeah, oh, For the Greater Good of God Easily, uh, my favorite on it. Um, least favorite, probably, I'd probably still go for the Legacies, least favorite on it. Ooh, okay. It's okay. a more interesting song than Eric Choice and all the rest of it, but I still, the bit at the start of it still annoys me. Gotcha, okay, okay. Now, The Final Frontier is next. Uh, that's an easy choice, uh, The Talisman. Um Absolutely, hands down, the best on it. Uh, Satellite 15, The Final Frontier, probably my worst choice, and only because of Satellite 15, but I actually really like The Final Frontier, but, but Satellite 15 just... Gotcha. Just, yeah, could do without it. Okay. Now the next one, The Book of Souls. Uh, if Eternity Should Be Failed, best. Uh, Tears of a Clown, worst. Okay. Senjutsu. This is the last one, Senjutsu. Yeah. Uh, Hell on Earth, best. Um, I would say probably the parchment uh, worst. Oh my gosh! Have you ever heard me talk about uh, the kiwi in New Zealand, James? Yes. Yeah. He is going to be very upset. You just <laughs> lost his vote. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> um, look, uh, between it and death is counsel. Sort of the, the two tracks that I would rank at the bottom of that album. Like it's. Uh, but Death and Kelsey certainly grown on me a bit more as, as I listen to it. The parchment still hasn't grown on me just that much. Um, but it's, uh, it's you know, so one of those albums, just, you know, it doesn't let up, you know, six, seven songs in. It's really, uh, Days of Future Past is a fantastic song. Lost in a Lost World. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, the writing and the lyric, the content of that album is as good as anything they've done in their career. You know, I, I should start prefacing, I should start making the last question this i should start saying today is sunday so what you gonna do on monday oh <laughs> uh, dear uh, yeah exactly no one that's gonna be nobody's answer so oh man well i gotta say counselor it has been it's been a blast to have you here it's it's like i said we've it's been months and months and months of i mean you, I mean, not only are you the official politician, but you're the only three-peat Queet Quote of the Week winner. <laughs> like, you've done it twice. No one else has even done it once, I don't think. So, I mean, that's a that's an accomplishment, too. Um, but it's been really awesome to have you on here because we've, we've tied you into the show and you're a part of the show. And it's just, it's, it's, like I said, when I got your email, I was like, oh, or, you know, you had sent me the message and you're like, hey, are you ready for a story? And I was like, you know, you saw my yes with like 25 yeah. asterisks after it. I was like, yes. And and when I, I'll tell you this, when I called Matt, I said, guess who is sending their story? And there's one person that I've been badgering on, um, on the episodes because he he's the guy he'll come on and tell people to send their stories in, but he's never sent it. So he's like him. 
And I said, no. And, and he could tell by the way I sat and he just goes, the counselor, <laughs> like immediately. And I was like, yes. And he was like, all right. And Kirst- Kirsty was real excited when I told her too. So, but yeah, it's been awesome having you here. I appreciate you taking three hours out of your life to, uh, to sit here and chat with me. And, um, it's been a blast, man. Thank you very much. It has. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, thank you for all you do with that show. Um, I know there's, there's, there's so much work goes into those, uh, those kind of things. And, uh, um, you've got a fantastic pull of people around you there now from, you know, uh, co-hosts and bringing in the history. Um, it's a great little show. Um, and, uh, I think it's quite like it out there. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, man. Well, there you have it. I hope that you have enjoyed the counselor's story. I know it was nice and long and very detailed. And I mean, the guy has seen Iron Maiden definitely more times than me. He's got way more memorabilia than me. And he's probably a bigger Iron Maiden fan than me, to be honest. I mean, but I don't know if we can really gauge those things. Can we, Matt? Uh, No, not tonight. Are you on Twitter again? Uh, <laughs> okay, not cut. anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> All right. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to get into what we normally start with because I didn't want you to have to wait. Because I, I also know that there might be people from Garva, from where the counselor is the mayor, that may have just wanted to hear his story and they don't want to listen to me. You know, they might want to listen to Kirsty, but they probably don't want to listen to me and they. I don't know about Matt either. So I figured let's give them what they want. And then if they want to cut out, they can cut out. If they want to hear the kind of people that the counselor enjoys listening to, then they'll keep on listening. So, so we're going to start out with where we normally start out. Kirsty, what have you been listening to? Well, your revision song contest was this weekend, mm. but I'll, I'll do you a favor and stay on topic. Um, just to say the winner was Ukraine, which is really nice. Um, so albums, I've listened to the Stone Roses' Second Coming. I don't know if you know that band at all, mm. um, but I've, it's kind of rock. I've loved it since it came out in the 90s. Okay. And the guitars are really excellent on it. They've only done the two albums. Okay. That was the second album. That's why it's called The Second Coming, because it <laughs> took a really long time in between albums. Sure, sure. Um. I listened to Paradise Lost. Mm. Mark really sold it to me last week. He said that Obsidian was an incredible, beautiful, heavy, dark, doomy album. And so I had to listen to it straight away. I know Matt's mentioned it before. So I was very keen and it did not disappoint. 
Okay. And so I listened to another of their albums called Symbol of Life. And that's got a feature. It's got a cover of Bronsky Beats Small Town Boy on it. I love that. I love 80s music. And I really love heavy covers of it. It's like that um, Undercovers album I was talking about before by Lord. Okay. And it's all covers. So just the one cover. The rest of it was, yeah, really good, really proggy music. Mm-hmm. I listened to Redemption again. And I'd like everyone to go and listen to this song, Eyes You Dare Not Meet in Dreams. That would be my song of the week. Your song of the week. And, yeah. Something a bit you might be a bit more familiar with. The Final Frontier. Ooh, I've heard that one. (laughs) Yep. Killers by Iron Maiden. I think I've heard that one. (laughs) Because I I didn't get to listen to it the week before because we were um, about to be talking about Bruce era Maiden. So keen to get back to that. Yeah. Um, My current favorite Voyager album, Ghost Mile. Okay. And then here's something interesting. I thought I might listen to Kiss. Whoa. You talk about Kiss a lot. And my daughter's a fan, and I'm hopefully seeing them later this year. Um, but I've never listened to an album other than my daughter's Greatest Hits album. Okay. Which I know pretty much backwards by now. I should have called you to see which album I should pick. Mm. But, what, um, what did you pick? <laughs> well, because I know Going Blind, I picked Hotter Than Hell. Okay. I, it turned out that that was my favorite song on the album. <laughs> really? Very yeah. nice. Very Camp nice. Is that nice, or does it? Tell me. Team going blind here. All right. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's all my albums for the week. So so you said that Mark influenced you to listen to that one band. So you're so what you're saying is he Mm. didn't do a great selling job to get you to listen to Carcass. Well, (laughs) I don't really think that's my cup of tea. Um I like um say on Paradise Lost, I like when there's a mix. Yeah. Of heavy vocals and clean vocals, but I don't want just heavy vocals. I got gotcha, you. Gotcha. So yeah, that was really a joke. <laughs> <laughs> sarcasm, you know, it's hard to hear sarcasm over the phone sometimes. So just assume that we're both being sarcastic at all times. It's probably safest. Yeah, I guess we should just start. Uh, I always tell my wife because <laughs> she's always just like, "Well, I don't always know when you're joking or this or that." I'm like, "I'm always joking." Hint, I'm always joking. Do you know what? That's the way I like to be. Like my wife, she's like, I can't tell you when you're joking or not. I was like, that's right. You can't. You know, keeps them on edge. Mm. Keeps you on its toes. So, Kirsty, I'm probably going to regret these next words out of my mouth. But, Matt, what have you been listening to? Well, after Mark suggested Paradise Lost and Carcass, <laughs> I, I listened to a little bit of both of those, and I had already heard Carcass. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a bit brutal for me at this time of the morning. <laughs> and um, and I listened to a little bit of Paradise Lost, that album, and I didn't care for that one as much, only because it, it was really doomy mm-hmm. and, and slower, sludgier. Yeah. Um, but I, I would still listen to some more of them. But I ended up, Starting the week after listening to those with some seventh son of a seventh son, since okay. that was the start of a new day, start of a new week, and we'd been talking about it Sunday night, mm-hmm. or I had, yeah. And so, I still rank it as my number one, even if Dean probably still doesn't. And then, after that, I moved on to some Dynasty again, The Dark Delight, and I still like this, but I only listened to it once this week. Uh oh. 
So it's I don't know if it's on the wane or not. It was um, it was a pretty busy week for work too, so I didn't I couldn't listen to it over and over like I had been. Okay. Uh, but I was in the mood for something a little heavier, but not violently heavy like Carcass. <laughs> so I'd settled on some Creator. I hadn't listened to any of that for a long time. Oh wow. <laughs> so, yeah, but I was really into it. Uh, Phantom Antichrist and Violent Revolution. And I think I listened to Violent Revolution about three times during the week, and I started listening to it again uh, this afternoon. I was out and about mm. running to make friends and, and listening to that, and I was really into that. That's why you only got Dynasty done once, isn't it? I think it is, because I moved on to that. I, so when I listened to that, I was all around the shop. I didn't know what I wanted to hear. And I listened to some Smith Cots, and I was like, this is not what I want to hear. Um, and I tried something a little heavy, and I was like, this is not what I want to hear. But Creator kind of fit right in the middle, not too heavy and not too soft. So, yeah, I got right into that. Some Saxon went back to Carp DM again. I was like, yeah, I'm still enjoying this. That's a few times now that I've listened to that. And at same thing that you listened to, Kirsty, Hotter Than Hell, I gave that another listen because I'd listened to a certain podcast during the week that had touched upon it. And <laughs> I would agree that I also fell onto Team Going Blind. Yeah, like baby. It. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, what else did I have? So I listened to another podcast that pushed me to listen to some Airborne, uh, their album from, I think it was mid-2000s, Running Wild. And it was, So they're a band I've heard before, little bits and pieces, but I'd never heard much by them. And I left Australia probably when they were really coming out, so I didn't really know a lot about them. But I liked it. It's just, gosh, like full-octane rock and roll. Like they just Are they like ACDC at all? Yeah, kind yeah. of. They get. I saw them um, support Alice Cooper two years ago. Oh, cool. You know, I think I've seen them once. I think they were on the Mayhem Festival here years and years ago, probably mm. 10 years ago. And they're ago. supporting Iron Maiden this year. Oh, I, like, oh, I did see that. Hmm. So what did you think of them when you saw them? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. They were good? I, I would um, I quite often turn up just in time for Iron Maiden. I don't. Gotcha. But I think that's because the last two times it was um, Steve Harris's kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wasn't that excited for that. Yeah. They're not supporting Iron Maiden in the States, though, are they? No. Uh, I don't know. Because we're getting, what's the band we're getting? Trivium. Trivium. Okay. Trivium's one. Oh, cool. And I hear, I hear good things about Trivium. Yeah. But from other people. But I haven't heard anything that I've liked yet. I've heard... Heard some stuff, and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is really my You have an aunt that likes them, and I'm just – I haven't really – I mean, hey, it's it's, least, it's rock and roll, so I can I can deal with it, but it's it wasn't anything I was interested in hearing. Maybe. So. I mean, when I see it live, who knows? Maybe it'll um, – Yeah. Might be the great equalizer. You might all of a sudden – Could could be, because you know what? I heard something during the week that um, I had heard studio versions of. You know what? Actually, I'm onto it now. So anyway, I like the airborne stuff, and I'll go check some more of their catalog. He's probably out. listening to it right now, Kirsty, while he's talking. Yeah, probably he is. Yeah, <laughs> while tweeting about it. Exactly. The last, I cannot multitask. Um, so Crowbot, and because Danzig was coming here, and I saw that they were going to be supporting, I had gone and listened to a little bit of their stuff, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm kind of indifferent to all this. But when I saw him during the week, I was really impressed with Crowbite. And I think they did what a support band should do, and that's go out and grab you. And they worked for me. So I'd listened to their album Mother Brain a few times, and it's just um, 
like American Hard Rock. I just really enjoyed the show. It was good. Oh, so you saw Danzig this past week? I did. I um, I went on Tuesday night, and he wasn't there because I turned up a day early because I hadn't bought tickets. <laughs> I was going to rock up at the box office and buy my ticket, and I thought, oh, the parking here is pretty good. And then got across to where the venue was, and I was like, oh, it's like there's not many people here. Why are these doors shut? Am I at the right place? <laughs> yep, but a day early. That's funny. So I, so I come back on the Wednesday, and he was he was really, really good. Did you get a T-shirt or anything? I did get a T-shirt, as it turned out. I... Um, Oh, that's right. You sent me a picture of your T-shirt. It's really, really cool. If if I could have gotten a T-shirt at that show, that's you got the one I would have wanted. That is true. Who would have thought that we would like the same T-shirt? I just, Kirsty, I just wish I knew somebody that was at the show that could have gotten me a T-shirt. If they had just said, hey, uh, would you like a T-shirt? There's a Killer Wolf T-shirt here. <laughs> interested, or something for that effect. <laughs> but if I had done that, Maybe someone could have come back to me and let me know, but I don't think anyone did. Well, if somebody would have told me when we were on the phone on Sunday night, hey, I'm going to see Danzig in like two nights, then I would have said, okay, well, call me. I think I think that somebody's probably mentioned before how they were really keen to go see Danzig and they were going to go do that and didn't realize they needed to uh, bring it back up again. But did I maybe next time if somebody goes again, they'll do that then. But anyway, enough of the somebodies. Uh, last thing <laughs> I listened to for the week was Iron Savior, Kill or Be Killed. And so in the vein of Master Plan, like I was into, another good album, just hard rock. What What is that? I mean, Iron Savior, is that something, a mix of an Iron Maiden sounding like band or something? No, it's just kind of straightforward power metal. Like me- I'd say mellowish kind of power metal. Okay. Um, probably nothing. You don't listen to any power metal anyway, do you? Um, kind of your I guess it depends on what you consider power metal, really. I mean, but I don't know. Okay. Blaze, oh. I, like Blaze Bailey's is kind of power metal-ish, I think, you know, so I like his stuff. So. Yeah, it's, no, it's not quite like that. If you'd heard Master Plan, and I know you haven't, <laughs> I would liken it to that. Okay. Okay. But, um, that was it. Okay, well. Oh, except I was going to say, when I did get to see Danzig, if I had... If I'd remembered to tell you in two days' time or three days' time I was going to be going, I could have also mentioned that I saw Cradle of Filth. Cradle was, of Filth. <laughs> that was a and very. How was that? Did you like it? Do you know them? Yeah. Uh, do, do you like them? Her cousin's the guitar player. Ah. Wow. Well, do you know what? It was. Um, I don't know how to explain it. So. Terrible. Thing, I, no, no. no. <laughs> kind of gothy, isn't it? But it is. It's. It was like kind of growly. Yeah, I sat there thinking this is more like listening to uh, soundtracks, like movie soundtracks than songs. Yeah. But with, but with the singing, now I was impressed with what they did because I told Steve earlier in the week uh, when he said, "Did you go to dancing last night?" And I said, "Yes, I did." And I saw Crowbot and Cradle of Filth as well. And they're hard to describe if you don't know them. But the singer, he would come out. He was like a little dog barking, like yep, 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 yep. And, and then all of a sudden he'd launch into, ah, at the end of these little screams and whatnot. So I don't think I liked the music. I did kind of like it a little, but I also walked out of the show halfway through to go see if I could buy a Crobot shirt <laughs> and then come back. But the audience was like right into it. They were really into it. I think it. it's one of those I'd rather just see live than yes, on an I was, album and listen to. That's what I said to Steve. I was glad I got to see them because it would be the only way I would. I never would have gone 
to see them, but because they were on that bill, like I was glad I got to do it. It's just not my thing, but what they did, they're good at. And I could see why people would like it. It's just not my uh, not my groove. Yeah. But live and let live. <laughs> Steve, Steve gone away. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was checked out. Um, I thought you were. Are you on Twitter? I was about yeah, to ask I was on that. Twitter. You on Twitter. Are you checking to see if we're still on Twitter? Yeah, I check it. I, I, it's like a teacher in class watching you, you know? <laughs> watching you. Yeah, there you go. Anyway. Speaking of that, yeah. Speaking of that, we're going to have a trifecta this week because I also listened to Kiss Hotter Than Hell. Um, I I really like the album. I, it's it's production. Yeah, I wish Kirsty would have asked me what to listen to ahead of that. But the production is really, really muddy and dark on that. But there's some really good songs. It's just you got to get past the production. Um, Which album would you have recommended? Mm, um, I would recommend Creatures of the Night. It's a good heavy album. Uh, Carnival of Souls is a newer good heavy album. But I like the 70s era, though. What about 70s? Oh, yeah. I would probably go. uh, I would have recommended Hotter Than Hell or Love Gun. Dynasty. Yeah, I started to try Love Gun after I listened to Hotter Than Hell and I gave up. Uh, you, there's some good stuff up like like Love Gun has I Stole Your Love. It's got Got Love for Sale. It's got Almost Human. Um, I love those three songs. It's got the, the title track is really good. Um, it's got yeah, some, like it's that. got a few weak songs on it too though. So, hey, can I ask you quickly since we're on, we're all talking about Hotter Than Hell at the moment? So I didn't like Mainline before. Yeah, and there was some discussion of this on a podcast that that we'll discuss I, momentarily. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. And, and then I come away. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it now. I don't know if I like it, but I don't know if I dislike it. I think um, it, it feels like it could pos- be a Bob Seger song or a Rod Stewart, or it just feels like anything else you would have heard it's, on the radio back then. Yeah, I kind of yeah, generic, like real kind generic. Of yeah. Uh huh. I like I it a little better now than I did before too. But yeah, I, I think that maybe I appreciated it a little more because I'd listened to it and I was like, oh, do I like this or not? I don't think yeah. I dislike it anymore. But it's not a, a great song by any stretch. I would skip it if I was, you know, playing it. If I had it on my phone and I was driving along, I'd just reach up and swipe, swipe right or left or whatever it is. What was it? What is it when you're declining? I guess you're swiping left. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. So swipe left. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to assume that you've probably heard of every single band I've listened to this week. Uh, every single one of these bands would be in my top ten. So um, another. Uh, a double, not a triple, because Kirsty didn't listen to it, but I also listened to an album called Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Quite enjoyed that. Uh, I listened to uh, one of my old staples, Matt, that you always were asking me about. Yeah. Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. It's been a while. If I have to name that band, then... Then I also listened to uh, the newest, current newest album by Ozzy Osbourne, Ordinary Man. I listened to my absolute favorite abs, my abs, salute, salute favorite Bruce Dickinson solo album, Matt, which would be Tattoo Millionaire. Kirsty said, said nobody. Yeah. Tattoo Millionaire. That's the album that kept Mark from listening. It's your favorite accident of birth. Absolutely. It is. <laughs> Did you say that with a sigh? At <laughs> Me? 
No, no I mean, I was because I was trying to think because I would have said mine's chemical wedding. Yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this is accident of birth. I like accident. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's an excellent album. The only time I saw Bruce on a solo tour, he opened with the song Accident of Birth. So and, it's and stepped stepped on your hand. And stepped on my hand, put his head on my his hand on my head and baptized me. Did you call the police? Oh no. This is this is this is not uh modern times. This is uh nineteen ninety five or six this would be ninety seven. So yeah, that yeah, I wasn't you know, people weren't woke back then about everything, so uh, let's see here. Iron Maiden, Kiss, Black Sabbath, Ozzy, Bruce. Okay, you've left you've left something out. I haven't heard you uh, leave out for a little while yet, or for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you if you're off something. The next one, the next band I listened to was Queensrÿche. Oh, you're back on them. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I I listened to uh, Condition Human, and I listened to their self titled album with Todd. So uh, the, his first album with them. And the next and the last album I listened to this week, I listened to it yesterday and I just sang the vocals as loud as I possibly could the whole time the album was on. And when I got home, my wife asked me what was wrong with my voice because of it. <laughs> and I got to say, I was thinking about this. Think? Well, I was in my car driving. so. Oh. But I, I have to think as I was listening, I thought, I think this is probably, if not my absolute favorite what would you call it? a debut album by a band? Absolute abs. Salute. I think it's my favorite debut album by any band ever. What do you think it would be, Matt? It's an eighties album. I'll give you that much. So are you saying it's not Iron Maiden by Iron Maiden? Nope. That, I, don't, I don't even think that would get my top five. Are you, you're not going to say, is it the warning? Is that a debut? That's not their debut. No. Oh, in that case, I don't know what it's called. And it's not it's not by Queen Queens Rock. of the. Oh, it's okay. not by so Queen's Rock. So it's not Queens of the Rock then. Um, debut by a debut. Is it a band or a solo? It's a band. Artist? It's a band that you are familiar with, very familiar with. Oh, Holy Diver. <laughs> by Dio. Hello. <laughs> Any more guesses? Yeah. I'll give you one more hint, and I know you'll get it off of this hint. It's a band that you and I are going to see together later this year. Oh, Wasp. Yes. The self-titled album by Wasp. So good. Like, I can literally sing along with every single guitar solo on the album. I had this album before their second album came out. The first time I had it, it was just on a cassette that was recorded for me. My cousin recorded it for me. Oh, so, just so, so good. I love it so much. Can't get wrong with Blackie and the boys. Yeah, yeah. It was such a good album. Such a good album. I just, how do you feel about Wasp, Kirsty? Um, I like Wasp. I'm not quite in the same <laughs> way as you, but yeah. Um, and I got to see them at Donington, of course, in 92. Oh, that's right. So. That was pretty good. I, I went and watched that online after you mentioned that. And I was like, oh. Very good. So, yeah. When, when you went to that Donington, Kirsty, where were you at? Were you close to the front? Were you near the back? I know you've told me this before, but it's been a while. Um, Sort of. Like near nearer the front than the back, but over to the side so it's not too squashed in. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So what's, good it, view. what's it like? Is it, 
from where you stand, like, are you watching the screens or like I'm just one trying to get an idea of how far back that that is. Like, um, I wasn't so far back that I had to just entirely rely on the screens. I could see oh, the okay. stage as well, but yeah, you know, you look at them as well because yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's a bit clearer. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Well, the next thing we'll get into is what podcast we listen to, and I'll go ahead and start since it's since I usually start podcast. I listen to. Top five with Joey Casada. I listened to one episode they did called Favorite TV Show Theme Songs. And I was really disappointed that they didn't name one of my favorites, which would have been the theme sh- for the TV show called Good Times. Either of you familiar with that show? Good not times. At all. You, oh, you're not. This is it good times by Led Zeppelin. No, no, I it's a. Uh, it's basically a a black family that lives kind of in uh, in the ghetto back in the seventies. Projects, the, the projects, yeah, and it's just kind of there's you know it's a dad, a mom, and three. Well, I guess an adult son, a high school. JJ. JJ Thelma is the high school girl, and then um, oh, the young is it Mickey or something. Jim, Mike. James, uh, James is the dad. What's this? Is I'm trying to think. Of, I can't think of the son's name now. All of a sudden, it but, was on in Australia when I was growing up. Probably. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I can't think of his name. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it's it's just the you know the the struggles they go through, and it seems like that life is always kind of every time they think something good's about to happen, something just comes and kicks them down a little more. Um, but it was it was on TV when I was you know coming home from school you know in my late teens and I loved it I loved the show so they did that um, I listened to the Fear is the Key episode on Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast and we had the return of uh, I believe T Rev right Kirsty <laughs> yeah and um, T Rev did something that sounded better than the song Fear is the Key which <laughs> wouldn't be hard <laughs> yeah well. Um, I enjoyed that. I'm a big. I'm a. I'm Team T Rev over here, but apparently he can't use the name anymore because there's a uh, one of those murder rappers or whatever that uses that name. So I can't remember. And an episode that's I guess both of you guys have heard. I haven't heard it yet up until now. But uh, Feckin Metal's Virtual Eleven. I guess the first one. And I really All enjoy- right. Yeah, I've heard the first one and I've started the second one too. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I, uh, there was a, there was a lot of points that they made. Uh, I, I'm not sure how hip I am on his take of every song is about Blaze, you know, getting kicked, <laughs> kicked out of the band or whatever. But I did like the fact the way he kind of talked about Bruce doing accident of birth. It was like he was crawling back to metal, like okay, like with mm. his tail between his legs, like okay, you know, I tried to, I thought I was bigger than this, but really this is who I am, kind of deal. Uh, but I, there was a lot of interesting things that they talked about on there. I really, I really enjoyed it. There was something I wanted to mention that he said, and I 
just can't think of it right now. But well, just uh, saying, just saying that Bruce is you know metal. I remember reading something that Rod Smallwood told him that. Yeah, like, you're a singer. You know, you're not a grunge singer or, or something like that. You are metal. He said, "Yeah, you'll always be that." And Bruce was like, "You ain't gonna tell me what I can and can't do." So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I really en- I enjoyed that episode. It was it was a lot of fun. It was more interesting than because whenever I whenever y'all told me that uh, they did two songs in basically two hours, I was just like, "Oh man, that's got to be kind of brutal." But I, I really enjoyed it because there was so much back story of what was going on with the band and just. All kinds of things going on about it. It was very interesting. So, do you remember back in the day, Talking Maiden did um, an entire episode, I think, on the Agent and the Gambler. That was probably two hours. Ooh. Yeah, you know. Uh, um, There's a lot to be said about it. Nesbit, Nesbit, nine, nine minutes worth. Nesbit has the uh, has the gift. <laughs> so, and Josh as well. Josh Josh has a gift because he was able to listen to Nesbitt probably go on for two hours about the Angel and the Gambler. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, speaking of Bruce, I listened to the Psycho Schizo Espresso podcast. Uh, let's see. One episode called The Badass Bullfighter of Eton, which was very interesting. And I guess the most recent episode was called Beyond Reason, Life, Logic, and Language with Steven Pinker. And I I don't know if I was just, if the Bullfighter one was so interesting that that one didn't interest me as much, but it, I kind of got lost a little bit listening to it. I just wasn't as interested. Um, also listened to the Shout It Out Loudcast, their most recent episode about the Kiss album, one I would definitely not recommend, Kirsty, called Crazy Nights. Uh, the podcast, yes. The, uh, the album, no. Um, okay. It was kind of Kiss trying to be Bon Jovi. But I enjoyed the episode a lot. It was just the song that they both declared as their least favorite and then the one that they declared as their favorite. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Paul's one of Paul's absolute worst songs on the album, they said, was the best. And the the song that I think is his best on the album, they said, was the whole worst song on the album. And so it was it was enjoyable to listen to, though. They're, they're are you, some- you going to give a spoiler and say what it is? No, no, no. They're they're real. Those guys are real characters. But I have to ever. I, I talk about listening to them from time to time. But I got. I have to say, you know, I keep my podcast pretty clean. You know, we don't get into any anything really. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and so they're they're there's their podcast get can get. I mean, there's a lot of language. Regardless, I mean, their language is there, but it, it can get very sexual in nature at times. And uh, you know, I. I don't want anyone to go and listen to it because of me and then go, well, God, I wish he would have warned me, you know? So and speaking of podcasts about albums that I would not recommend you listen to, Kirsty, I listened to uh, Asylum, Tales from the Devereaux Diaries. They did an episode. <laughs> well, two. I listened to more than one. I listened to Music from the Elder, part one and part two. And that is an album I would not recommend either. Hey, can I ask you a question about that? Have you heard? Oh, sorry, Kirsty. Have you heard? Have you listened to that, The Elder? <laughs> no. Okay. So I don't know. After I listened to Hotter Than Hell, I thought I was on a kiss kick, Uh-oh. and I, I've never heard The Elder. Oh boy! <laughs> and so I went and gave it. I put it on because I'd listened to a certain podcast as well. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just go and have a listen to this. 
if I got one minute into that, I'd be surprised. I was like, I don't know what this is about. What's going on? Here? I guarantee. Yeah, you were hearing the actual original release version that they wanted to release. Oh, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It, it was. Um, I feel like I'm going to end up listening to it just to find out what you're talking about. Well, I've never watched. Wouldn't it be what? funny if I became a really big fan of that album? Kirsty, oh, this in the minority. This is how yeah. the this is how the album starts. Okay, this is how a Kiss album starts. Like, just uh, that's all I can say. Just give it a second. I'm gonna get carcass ready. Just excellent. Oh. It's coming. So, hey, to Mark. I swear to God, Kirsty, this is the beginning of the album. I don't expect that far. Okay, you know what? Okay, that's not what I expected. It's a bad. Okay, you know it's got to get better. Let's go to the second song. Is that a whole song or is it an intro? Uh, it's an intro. Here's the second song. The second titled song. What are they playing? I've got I have no idea. Just just listen. Is this the kiss you want to hear, Kirsty? Just think about that when he starts singing here now. <laughs> is this a Dio song? <laughs> it could be, I guess. Ooh, it might be. I'm, hey, you know what? I'll follow up on this later. Wait a minute. Let's let's, let's surely they got to get heavier on the third song. It's got to get better. Oh, I hear a build up. <laughs> oh, I can't believe this. You just gotta wait till Paul sings, though. Th- this is the way they wanted to release the album back then. So this is listen to this. Uh, <laughs> Turn it up. Matt, have you got your carcass ready? Yeah, I have. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, okay. Now, this is the song, the eighth song on the. It's an eleven out al- eleven song album. This is how they started the album. They took the song, because this is a concept album too, right? It's a story. It's a and because that's literally song number three that you were hearing. Like three songs in and that's what you're getting. Like, Can you imagine being a Kiss fan? Like a love, like you like the song Love Gun. You're into Love Gun, the album or whatever. And you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to get that new Kiss album. And you buy it. And these are the first. So this is the song that, that was, they reorganized the album because there's like, there's no way we're releasing that. As the, so this is the song on the album that they opened with, which sounds more like a Kiss song. So, you know. Just imagine you're Eric Carr. This is your first Kiss album. <laughs> what was that? What was that song called? Uh, the last one is called "The Oath." Uh, okay. What, what I, is the um, concept? 
there's a boy and there's there's oh god it's uh there's these there's the council of the elder right and they're trying to find the boy who's they're trying to judge the boy to see if he can conquer good and evil or something like that it's a, it's it's a really loosely themed thing and suppose what was that supposedly okay that's great i bet this one it's going to end up being my favorite kiss album oh of all no time. oh god do you no. like lord of the rings kirsty oh very boy. much so oh boy that's what it reminds me of Oof. so but what they were saying on the podcast though is that they were going to supposedly it was going to be three albums they were going to make mm-hmm. and the biggest chunk of the problem here is they got bob ezrin to produce this album any idea what album Bob Ezrin had produced right before he was coming to work on this Kiss album? Was it something by Dio? I'll give you a hint. It's called The Wall. You might have heard of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he came to Kiss and said, hey, y'all need to do a concept album. So they're like, hey, if we can get Bob Ezrin to work with us, he just did The Wall. The Wall's huge. And I mean, but, you know, it was just, it's, th- there are some really good things on that album. But as a whole, it's just yeah, not not that great. I think is it World Without Heroes and I? Are they both on that? A World Without Heroes is on there, yeah, and I is on there too. I is not particularly one of my. It's more of a Kiss sounding song, but it's it's not really a favorite of mine. But I remember the World Without uh, World Without Heroes video clip and Gene's tear. Yeah. can't remember. Was there a video for I as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is now because I know that there was talk of. I'm sure there was talk of Paul's purple headband. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that in World Without Heroes as well, or is that he probably had it on? Yeah, because he because he has it on uh, on the pictures that you see from that era. So, uh, okay. so I listened to that podcast, The Elder, and maybe Kirsty will like that. I don't know, but the, there was another one I listened to that they another episode they had that came out. It was called Uncle Steve, which is odd. I found it odd that they have an episode called that. No, it's called Uncle Steve and Hotter Than Hell Redo. So they invited me to come on their show. I went on. We talked about Hotter Than Hell. We talked about The Elder. We talked about Carnival Souls. We talked about some Iron Maiden. We talked about all kind. We talked about uh, Richie Kotzen. Um, Hang on. Did you say that you were on that episode? The Hotter Than Hell episode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I kind of have to say it that way but uh so um let's let's move here okay uh so that episode yeah yeah uh yeah okay so anyway matt what did you listen to oh well i apparently i listened to you on Asylum, Tales from the Devereux Diaries, uh, as is, I guess it's labeled Uncle Steve. It sounded like it sounds like me, doesn't it? Well, I thought it sounded like you, but I was kind of um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Well, when I I'll, I'll, let me say this too, when I listened to it and I saw that because I saw that it was called Uncle Steve, and I'm like. Interesting. Okay. So anyway, sorry, go ahead. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I was just looking for confirmation that it was actually you that was on the podcast. Cause there's, I don't know, people impersonating and all sorts of things are going. Well, those, you know what those guys on the show are called, right? They're all, you know why it, they're, they're all cousins. They are cousins. Cousins yeah. with a K I noticed. Ah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so I did listen to that, and I did enjoy that. It was a very good episode. Um, I listened to my Tell em Steve Dave for the week, and some Jim Jeffries as well. I listened to some Wayne. Actually, sorry, the Jim Jeffries was a good one. Culinary Arts with Cody Candelario. There's enough K's in there. I was just say. <laughs> say that really uh, fast. Yeah, I can't do that. Uh, I listened to some Wayne, but I'm still weeks behind. I only got up to be quick or be dead, but I enjoyed that. And I'm looking forward to um, some of these newer episodes. I've heard some little spoilers from people, musical appearances and whatnot that I'm looking forward to hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pot of Thunder. So they did Airborne, Cheap Wine and Cheaper Women. And that's what prompted me to go and listen mm, to okay. the Airborne album. And, I, you know, I like it. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Is that the one with the mom on it? I, well, I don't know what the cover was because I was listening to it on a platform. No, no, no. The, the Jones Brothers mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. I okay. like she's on there, but I've yeah, been here a couple of times. I was wanting to listen to that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, so I listened to Uncle Steve and his ensemble, The Best of the Beast, ranking the top seven with Mark. If Mark's out there, g'day to Mark. Uh, I'd also listened to an episode of Skeptoid, and this is one of these little oddball podcasts that I listen to from time to time, Strange, Supernatural, or whatever is going on, or things that they can debunk. And this one happened to be about facilitated communication, and it's about these people that uh, basically communication impairments where mm-hmm. they can't they can't get messages through to you know, family members or whatever because of some sort of traumas that they've had or, or conditions and how these people were, were coming in and basically being hired to communicate for them. They were saying that they could communicate for all these people, but then it was found out that most of it was scams and they were testing these people that, with questions that the people who were um, impaired mm-hmm. would be the only ones that would know the answers to these questions and then the people that were coming along to say, yeah, we can help you. Yeah. Um, tell them what's going on and all this sort of thing. Well, then it was debunked because they couldn't explain what was going on. So it was just a quick little 15, 16-minute episode. And then yeah. after that, I think that's all there was. Yeah, that was a quick one for the week. Just a few there for me. Okay, well, well, I thought you were going to say, you told me when you talked about listening to this episode, you were going to tell us, you said, I'm going to tell Mark what I really think of him. What was it? What were you wanting to say? Well, that's, I thought I was going to say that. No, he was a good bloke. I liked talking to him last <laughs> week. I, uh, I would say, you know what? Hit me up. Let me know how your dons are going. Didn't see what happened with them in the footy this week. Oh, oh boy. Wait to see wait to him because they got another hiding this week. Hey, Kirsty, what podcast did you listen to? <laughs> <laughs> I also I listened to Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast. Fear is the key. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, he likes that a lot more than I do, which wouldn't be hard. Um, and I listened to, as I said, I started listening to the Feckin' Metal and um, Asylum, Tales from the Devereux Diaries. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was a complete coincidence that I'd chosen to listen to Hotter Than Hell the day before. That's and, funny. Um, yeah. And then I saw there was Uncle Steve was going to be on the episode <laughs> and there was going to be some maiden talk as well. So I thought, well, I'll give that a go because I've chatted to Ray, one of the co-hosts on Twitter. It's always good to put a voice to the tweets. Sure. So I was convinced to try. I thought I'll try one kiss thing. 
Um, there were more Maiden fans on that podcast, and there are Kiss fans on this one, as far as I know. Um, I like the Richie Cotton talk, and there was a Led Zeppelin fan, which was awesome. It's actually a great podcast. Obviously not going to be a regular listener, but I did listen to another, a little bit of another episode where they invited Ray to be co-host. Oh, yeah? Um, and that was really sweet. Have you heard that? I haven't. What episode is that? Oh, well, if you go back through, it wasn't that far far away, actually. Um, so if you go back, it'll, it'll actually be in the description. Oh, okay. 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 It was, um, oh, he was so sweet and he was so happy. And it's, I just think it's a good job you didn't ask either of us while you were recording. We probably wouldn't have been as excited as he, sounded as excited as he did. <laughs> did he cry? I don't know. I couldn't tell if he was crying or not. <laughs> well, I guarantee you he's probably started crying when he heard both of y'all are on team going blind, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he, he really doesn't like that song, does he? He has mixed feelings on it. When I listen to that. Because of the lyrics, because obviously listening to the podcast. Yeah. They could be interpreted as being a bit seedy, couldn't they? Yeah, sure. Suspect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't go to kiss for the for the vocals. Uh, sorry for the lyrics. So I'll yeah. just take the vocal melody. No, exactly. You'd say that about pretty much most of kiss songs, wouldn't you? Yeah. Gene's yeah. vocals on Going Blind are so good. Yeah. Gritty. The vocal melodies are. The, the yeah. lyrics themselves is like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you can say that if you want to. It's okay. It's all right. I did. <laughs> Anything else, Kirsty? Okay, uh, no, that's that's me for the week. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right then. I guess now it is time for a little bit of audience participation, as Matt used to say. And we don't have a whole lot of tweet quotes this week, but we have a few more retweets and uh, go ahead and get through those really quickly. We have uh, Carlin RL in Guyakil, which is that in a video game or something? Do we just figure that out? I don't think we ever did. I don't know. No idea. Then we got a Ken computer painting and internet sensation. Uh, I don't know where he's at. Uh, Rafa. Don't know where he's at. Uh, the Scouser, David Laird in Liverpool, England. Justin, I laughed so hard my abs hurt, Castaldo in Florida. Jesse, the delivery guy in Illinois. Philly Binion in Lincoln, England. You ever been to Lincoln, England, Kirsty? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And last, but definitely not least this week, uh, with the retweets was... His royal dudeness, Dave, in the USA. And the reason I say that he's last but certainly not least, because he sent in a tweet quote as well, as he normally does. But I'm going to read the other ones first, because there's a little extra treat involved with Dave's tweet quote, Matthew. Mm-hmm. So the first one, and I don't know if I'm supposed to sing this or not. Um, the honorable, probably, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I, just listen here. The the actually, it was from our uh, guest, the honorable counselor, Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garva, Northern Ireland, the only official politician once again of Uncle Steve's Man, Iron Maiden Zone. 
Man of the people. Man of the people. He's by the people and for the people, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Um, he says, mm, I don't know if I'm supposed to read this line. I'll, I'll just read it. I'm not going to sing it. I know Matthew will appreciate that. but I think we'll appreciate it. He says, rankings, rankings everywhere. And all the fans did shriek. Rankings, rankings everywhere. But no one can agree. Can I just say something? Sure. We're really lucky that there wasn't a letter out of place there in that. Hold on. I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you did say that. So I did too, didn't I? It's too late now. Yeah. And he says, and this is where I had to get Kirsty involved uh, on Twitter. He says, a corking barnstormer where they keep her lit. <laughs> he said, even if you're not a huge Maiden fan, it's some of the best entertainment you'll have all week. Thank you. That's if you're starved of yeah, entertainment. Lovely. And let's see. The next one is someone that Matthew at times calls a uh, inspiration. Justin, I laughed so hard my abs hurt. Castaldo. Now he started off with a uh, one of those gifts of the office that said, "Oh my God, okay, it's happening." You know, like uh, he said, finally getting a top seven ranking from the gang. If you want to know, have a listen. It's sure to upset and delight the masses, which I think we could probably uh, say is accurate, right? Yeah. Apparently, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, uh, yeah. Um, and then, Mr. Uh, if I said Mr. Pole on Twitter, who would you think of, Matt? Mr. Pole, that would be the man. I think it'd be Gen. Could it be would Dane. be Gen, yeah. But I'd imagine it's Gen. He's, he's a busy boy. He's, Actually, Gen. Gin knows what we're up to right now. He oh, knows yeah. what we're doing. Oh, yeah. He knows that I was in trouble and that somebody outed me. <laughs> yeah, and he knows that um, <laughs> I've also been on Twitter while we've been talking. Hey, I just po- I just went on Twitter and said, listening to Matt waffle on right now. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I was going to do that, actually, but I just thought, no. So, Mr. You're not very professional. Yeah, that, <laughs> wouldn't, have, that wouldn't have been professional, so... Uh, Gen Mariutani in Chiba, Japan. He said, I really enjoy this episode. I think my headphones were just broken last week. What are your top seven Bruce era Iron Maiden albums? By the way, the world needs to appreciate the awesomeness of the mercenary. Did we poo poo on that one last week? Oh, I don't know if we poo pooed it. I Not didn't especially. exactly. Enough. Maybe we didn't say it was awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of think that's. Uh, I think that's. I like, kinda... Yeah, I like the verses. I just think the chorus is a bit weak. And speaking of Gen, I, I want to run through a few of the lists and comments on Twitter real quick before I get to Dave's quote. Um, the first one whose list I have here is Gen, and he did include Senjutsu. So I'm going to go ahead and read his top seven. Uh, number seven, Power Slave. Six, Brave New World. Five Senjutsu over Power Slave, Matthew. Hmm. Uh, number four, The Number of the Beast. Number three, Seventh Son. Number two, Kirsty, A Matter of Life and Death. And number one, this is where I should have called Kirsty, Somewhere in <laughs> Time. 
So brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Respectable. Yeah. Then we got a guy here named Rick Tompkins. Now he didn't play by the rules because he has a Paul album in here, but his, Oh, this guy was controversial. Actually. I think if I remember right, no, he would uh, dance of death. Number seven killers. Number six, somewhere in time. Number five, power slave at four, Peace of mind at three, seventh son at two, and Matthew, I bet you know what number one is. I'm still uh, listening to Dance of Death at seven. Now go ahead and tell me. The number of the beast. Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. I would have had okay. killers in my top seven. Okay. Had I been allowed. And uh, someone made a comment on here. I don't know if y'all saw this. Uh, where he sa- I-, I know Kirsty saw this, but he- this guy came on and says, you guys like doing sets and lists? See if you can answer oh. this. Considering... <clears throat> A standard performance of an hour and 45 minutes. What's the minimum number of songs Iron Maiden can play? So I went on and I just found the songs in order of length. And I came up with eight really long songs and one three minute and two second song. So here's the, the, so they could play a nine, they could play nine songs and that would be an hour and 45 minutes. And that is no break in between any song. That's going straight into the next one. So here's the nine songs I chose. And I would have chose a different uh, middle song, but I just tried to get one that matched up time-wise. Empire of the Clouds, Rime of the Ancient Mariner. And these are in order of length as well. Red and the Black, Parchment, Hell on Earth, Genghis Khan, which would be the very short three-minute and two-second song, Sign of the Cross, when the wild wind blows and book of souls. That's an hour, 45 minutes and one second. <laughs> That's all. So, and then some people, I think Kirsty and abs came on there and they were saying that they thought that would be kind of a cool set to see. And I was like, eh, I'll pass. I wouldn't mind a few of those, but I really wouldn't want to hear empire of the clouds and red and the black. And yeah, Mainly that look, it wouldn't be my top choice for a set list, but I'd certainly be there. Yeah, if they're playing, I'm going to be there. Yeah, so yeah. So, now this is the guy who was controversial. Future Squash Seven Six Seven. His list went like this, Matthew. Mm-hmm. You'll probably notice a theme here. Number seven, No Prayer for the Dying. Number six, Somewhere in Time. Five, Peace of Mind. Four, Power Slave. Three, Number of the Beast. Two, Iron Maiden. One, Killers. Do you notice any albums missing? Yeah, it seems very thematic for one, but I do notice some albums missing. What album did he notice missing? Uh, he didn't put Seven Sunday, did he? No. So I basically said this. My comment back to him was because I said, you basically have the first seven albums except for Seventh Son. Why not? Uh-huh. And he said, did he come- oh, he did come back. Controversial opinion. I hate Seventh Son. Oh, I didn't see that. Hate. It's such yes. a weak album to me. I only like Moonchild and Evil That Men Do. Every other song sucks on there, in my opinion. <laughs> I was, and I just said, that, and then that's this is proper controversial. This got kind of interesting then because I said, wow. And then Andrew Whitnall came right behind me and said, blimey. And then, <laughs> uh, and then Feck came on there and said, Struth. <laughs> or Struth. Yeah, Struth. Struth. And then Kirsty said, far out Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and then uh, what was one more on here? No, that was it. That was it. But I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, so uh, then another guy, Darren Hi- Hiam, 
came on here. He said seven was somewhere in time, six Iron Maiden, five Peace of Mind, four A Matter of Life and Death, three Number of the Beast, two Seventh Son, and one Power Slave. And I think that's about it. I think that was there might if there were any more, then that was it. But I was impressed that he had a matter of life and death mixed in with basically all classic era. That's pretty cool. So, as I said earlier, his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA, has a tweet quote, and it's called "Back to Seventh Son." Now, it's it's the vibe of the song is. I guess it's taken from the the song called Back at One by someone named Brian McKnight. I don't have any idea. uh, It sounds like somebody that might have been in the Backstreet Boys, maybe. I don't know. But um, so he said it was like an R&B type song, though. So I'm going to read you his lyrics, and then I have a gift for you at the end, maybe. It's a gift for some, maybe. (laughs) We'll see. Um, here's, Here's his tweet quote. He says, It's undeniable we would make lists together. It's unbelievable how I used to say that I would never. You basically need to know I can't commit to how I feel. Let me tell you now, here is the deal. Somewhere in time, I might reveal. (laughs) And this is the chorus. Chorus number one, he says. One, I think, is Seven Sun. Two, maybe Senjutsu. Three, Oh, can't you see? It's number of the beast for me. Four, review albums one through three. Five, can I get a redo, please? <laughs> Whenever I believe my list is done, I go back to Seventh Son. <laughs> That's how I feel about certain things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. Go elsewhere, but you but wait. Mind. There's more. Verse two. It's so incredible. You got to remember, this is the guy who wrote Miracle Whip. Remember? Yes, I do remember. Yeah, yeah I'll never forget that. Yeah. I, and Matt's, Matt's household will never forget it either. Yeah, the mustard. And the mustard, yeah. Uh, verse two, it's so incredible. The rankings never work themselves out. It's I'm all emotional because I know that this is all in doubt. Babe, it's indescribable. My list just fell apart. <laughs> I knew I wouldn't make it very far, but I know you've got my lists in your heart. <laughs> Sorry. I was just thinking, you're really selling this. I'm trying to just, yeah. I love Dave, man. He's This is hilarious. And then he says, chorus two. One, maybe it's Seventh Son. Two, I like their debut. Three, I think, wait, no, wait. I think you'll see Peace of Mind is next for me. Four, review albums one through three. Five, won't you rank for me? Whenever I believe my list is done, I go back to Seventh Son. Dave has, and we've all heard it, but I think Dave wanted to put this to music for everybody. And he's going to give you a little bit of an explanation of who he is and where he's come from, and then you're going to hear Dave's rendition. Dave in the USA, who I got to admit, I was pretty excited because I've never even heard the guy's voice before. This is the first time we got to hear him speak, mm-hmm. and and we were all, I think we were all entertained, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was um, it was great to hear his voice, um, but why hasn't he done a story yet? 
Maybe he doesn't know how to, where he needs to send something to. What would he do? Matthew, can you, can you fill him in? Well, Dave, if you're out there listening, if you're still listening after Steve butchered your song, <laughs> if you've got a story you would like to share, you can send an email to Uncle Steve at ironmaidenpodcast at gmail.com. What do I need to put in there? Well, you can put a little backstory. How did you get to Iron Maiden? Do you still like Iron Maiden? Are you still listening to this podcast? Are you still <laughs> listening to me ramble? Waffle. Stop listening, start typing. Yeah, but that's waffling. Yeah. Anyway, right back to ironmaidenpodcast at gmail.com. And yes. Uncle Steve, and that's Uncle Steve. If anyone else says that they've come back to you, it's not them. Uncle Steve will come back to you in a timely manner. Yes. And set up a time where you can have a friendly conversation. No need to be nervous. And we'll get to share your story on here and make the masses happy. Yeah. You know, the, the last story before the counselor uh, was, uh, what was the guy's name? Stevie? You called him Cousin Stevie? You want to talk, he was, you know, I'm not dissing on Stevie, mm-hmm. but he was a little odd. Uh, yeah. Some, yeah, I wanted I to tell you, tell- I, I, uh, I definitely agree there. Um, but imagine if Dave was to do his story now. I mean, think about this. A real life politician, the real life politician of my podcast, took the time to send his story in. Who does Dave think he is? You think <laughs> you're better? About? Does he think he's They're better? <laughs> what? What'd you say? Don't put him off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Come on, Dave. We really want to hear your story. So, yeah, we really do. Now, maybe. I don't, I'm not going to put it to a vote after people hear your song. You'll have to let let them, you know. But I would love to have you on and and do it to talk and hear the whole story and everything. So, so here it is: the broadcast debut of his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA, with <laughs> "Back to Seventh Son." Hello, podcast world. This is Dave, also known as and as Steve. Uncle Steve has declared me his royal doomness. By the way, I think that got started because one day on Twitter, Steve and I were like, do this and do that. And everybody's a dude and you can say dude at any point and blah, blah, blah. And the next podcast, um, he gave me a nickname, his royal doomness, which I think is great, which is fine. But anyway, on the Steve podcast last week, he had Kirsty. And Matt and a surprise guest named Mark. And they ranked their top six Iron Maiden albums. Well, anyway, I got to thinking, which is never a good thing. Brian McKnight, uh, he's kind of like a pop R&B singer, wrote this sappy love song called Back at One. And a country artist recorded it too, which, by the way, Steve's going to love that part of this, but So I took this sappy Brian McKnight song and I rewrote the lyrics and now I called it Back to Seven Son because in the song he's kind of like one, two, three, four, rank, you know, ranking, etc. And now the song is kind of about someone who is unable to, to commit to a ranking of their top Iron Maiden albums. Oh, and by the way, to get some good acoustics, I recorded this in my bathroom, which is where I'm sure all of you will run to 
once Steve plays this. So anyway, here we go. One, two, three, four. It's undeniable that we would make this together. It's unbelievable how I used to say that I would never. Basically need to know I can't commit to how I feel. Let me tell you now, here is the deal. Somewhere in time, I might reveal. One, I think it's seven suns. Two, maybe Senjutsu. in her golf clap on you Dave (laughs) (laughs) well if you're still with me I hope that you enjoyed Dave's song back to seventh son (laughs) thank you Dave I I seriously we went back and forth a bunch about this uh earlier today and and uh he was a little I think he was a little nervous to do it but uh I liked that he was willing to pick up the guitar and and just and do something interesting and I told him I said you know that might be something people start doing now maybe people will start Doing a quote quote and recording themselves singing it or doing whatever and sending it in. Maybe that'll maybe that'll be a thing. So we'll see. Where, where could they send that Fine. to? Where could they send that to, Kirsty? <laughs> Ironmaidenpodcasts at gmail.com. Excellent, excellent, in ca- excellent. In case you missed it, that was Ironmaidenpodcast at gmail.com. Ironmaidenpodcast at gmail.com. 
So, yeah. So that was, um, and, and the thing is, you all just heard this story by the counselor, but Kirsty, she heard it before you because she is a patron at patreon.com slash Uncle C's Iron Maiden Zone if you want to go there and just support the show. If you think, you know, Steve works really hard at the show. I want to give him a little bit. You know, I didn't say this last week when Mark was on, but Mark's a patron. He signed up on there and and I was I liked because when he sent me a message, you know, I always feel weird when people start sending me and telling me thank you know, I'm I'm happy to support the show, blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, I know you put a lot of time and work into it and and I'm just happy to help. And I was like, Wow, that's really cool. So uh anyone wants to do that, feel free to. Um anyone wants to leave a review, go to Apple or wherever you listen and do that. That'd be cool, I guess. And uh can y'all hold for a second? Yeah. I need to uh I'm going to run downstairs uh, and... Uh, mm-hmm. Smoke out. Yeah, yeah. Ba- bathroom break. Right, Again. Eh? Isn't yeah. this like the third bathroom break you've had in the last hour? You might need to check into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll be right back. All righty. Okay, is he gone? Yeah, I think he has. I've had one of these messages like you had before. Messages? You know, with the, with the weird voice? Yeah. I, I, so that was like you know, a You had that creepy ahead. voice with the weird, weird message. You, you had one of those? Yeah. When did you get that? Got it this morning. Oh, okay. What did it say? Well, it's a little bit hard to make out. Do you want to have a, have a listen to it? Okay. lied to or something and um it says it says something about patty duke the pat the theme song for the patty duke show but i don't know what that is that was a show from like i think it was from the 70s maybe it was about something to do with the identical cousin like there was one person playing two characters is that that's kind of i don't know that's strange because the message that i had was yours all okay yours is all garbled as well trying to decipher what it's about. And it was like, in good time, either you'll understand, you'll work it out. I don't know what that's about. Because it was kind yeah, of freaky. So it's, yeah, it's freaky. It says I promise this will all make sense real soon, so maybe we'll find out. You, you haven't said anything to Steve about this, have you? No. Because, I, I mean, I mentioned it to him, but then I... I have, oh, it's back. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's all right, the Bruce... The Bruce stuff that um, that show he did, but I don't think he would. I don't think Steve would go back and watch it again. All right, guys. No, I probably wouldn't. Hi. Hey. Hey, back. Okay. All good. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all good? All right, let's get back into it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> We're all up Twitter now. Okay, good, good, good. No more waffling. No. <laughs> no more no more looking up videos and uh, Although Gin Gin knows that we've been on Twitter playing around. You know, I, I could probably uh sign him up like for like a security detail, you know, like hey <laughs> you know, like when you're just, when you got in trouble in school and you'd have to go to like detention and then there'd be a teacher and they're watching, he'll be the detention teacher watching y'all on Twitter. Do you know yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter way too much. I could do with someone like that. <laughs> yeah. I wish yeah. that I wish that Gen would do a story. That'd be cool. Maybe, maybe one of these days. Matthew, on behalf of myself, on behalf of the Honorable Counselor Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garvaugh, Northern Ireland, on behalf of Kirsty, the official translator and. Um, Historian of Uncle C's our main zone on behalf of Matthew Iron Maiden from Eddie from the boys from the man of the people the counselor in life are bad they can really make you mad other things just make you swear and curse when you're chewing on life's gristle that grumble give a whistle and this'll help things turn out for the best and always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing Always look on the bright side of life Always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your seat, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance, anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. 
Here's Kathy, who's lived most everywhere, from Zanzibar to Barclay Square. But Patty's only seen the sights a girl can see from Brooklyn Heights. What a crazy pair! But they're cousins, identical cousins, and you'll find they laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. You can lose your mind when cousins are two of a kind. All right. Well, there we go. I'm in trouble now, aren't I? <laughs>